Okay, so welcome to the fourth episode of the Upfront and Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Dean Turton. Now, before we dive into anything today, I just apologise if I sound a bit nasally or there's some heavy breathing. I'm currently battling a chest infection, so I'll do my best to keep it all on mute, but I can't promise if there won't be the odd cough or anything. Um, today, joining us remotely from Braddon's hidden gem, the Hey Boy Arms, is a man known for fighting his lip and keeping his opinions to himself. Former Union Mills player and manager, Stephen Fox. Foxy, how are you, mate? Not bad, you? Um, I've been better, mate. I'm not going to lie. I've been, yeah. I've been better. Um, it's good to have you on. It's good to have you on. So now, kicking things off, as I do with everyone, what's your earliest memory amongst football? Um, training at uh, Douglas Royals behind the grandstand. Uh, yeah, honestly, it was... Uh, I was seeing about eight or nine, a lad of a mate of mine, or a lad across the road called Lee. He used to go to football on Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning. I wasn't really interested in football at the time. And it was just like, they were going to go to football training. So I was only one of myself in the morning. So I was like, oh, well, you know what? I'll go football training. So we ended up going to Royals training. I only did about three sessions and I got bored of it. But that's literally, then a year or so later, I think it was at Corinthians, about when I was about nine or 10, I was up the old pitch. We were playing 11 aside, like when we were nine. Um, I played one game, didn't enjoy it, wasn't into football for that time, but that was my first memory of it. Um, but I wasn't really into it when I was a kid, to be honest. So that's it, back on the, the old bogs at the top of Nobles Park and, you know, yeah. walking around full but, of dog, dog crap, people scooping up dog crap before training and stuff Yeah, like that. Yeah, it was literally behind the grandstand. The Royals training was literally behind the grandstand. I mean, it was on that little patch where they put all the um, tents and stuff, selling the T-shirts. That's literally where the training was. That's that's mad to think that's where you used to train and, and that's where they used to get away with as a kid. And now it's like, you know, the facilities Royals have gone to from that. And you, yeah. you mentioned Corinthians as well, both of them really, but they've gone up Bal Fletcher now. You look at them facilities, different game, isn't it? Oh yeah, completely. I mean, God, I used to remember that Bradham used to be down Tremode and he had like the worst shelter to get changed in ever. You know, the facilities completely I don't think anyone well, like, I mean, there's obviously these teams that have to hire pictures and stuff, and they are trying to get their own stuff. Most facilities are brilliant now. You know, everywhere's clean, it's tidy, you've got bars. Compared to, I don't think there was anywhere that had a bar. I think Union Mills was, was rushing, and God knows where, a cold. You know? I think they were the only two that really had bars. And Michael, when I was young, when I was young playing football, you know, clubhouse, proper clubhouses where you could go in and socialise afterwards. So, yeah. the old, the old yeah. Union Mills clubhouse, I, I remember that well. Like, obviously, I knew, I know you through as a family friend as well, Steve, not just through football. Um, Sonic and Calf used to have the old clubhouse up at oh, uh, yeah. where by the hospital is now. Um, yeah. That was some clubhouse, that wasn't it? That was some honestly, setup up there. Honestly, that that is where I fell in love with Mills. Like it was that was where it all started for me. Like I, I started getting into football a couple of years before, but I didn't play for a club. And I was like, it was always a, a few lads who were knocking around with them. And I got into it because everyone else was into it. And I started, so I started playing. And I started finding, oh, I'm actually, I was at the time when I was younger, I was actually pretty decent. I was fast, could score goals. But I played everywhere, I played in nets, whatever. And then a lad called Simon Barron says, oh, why don't you go train him? Up Mills. And I was like, where yeah, go on. And he goes, you're going to football. So I went up and there was another lad who went up at the time called Adam Clegg. And he was a goalkeeper. He was a mate of mine. And I'll tell you what, this lad was an unbelievable keeper. Um, he was unbelievable. But um, I ended up going up front. Ended up scoring a shitload of goals and then just fell in love. But um, the thing, about, I think the thing about the club was 
especially when I fell in love with it, was when it was up there, it was such a family atmosphere and stuff. And I, had, I don't want to go too much into it, but I had like a pretty rough childhood, like heavy-handed dad, not much money, picked on at school. So I was always within myself and hiding and thing. And like that club just brought me out completely. It was like, I was going, I couldn't wait to get up there because it was just like the family atmosphere. You know, there was the Sonics, there was Scarf, Nashers, you know, there was all these people there. And I just loved it. It was like that set for 90 minutes or for a training session. It was a safe place in somewhere I loved. And that was what, that's what endeared me to the club the most, to be honest. You know, I remember, I've, I've said this to you before. I, I mean, me and Steve Carter have arguments, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, but we both love the club. But I remember one time I went up there to go training. It was cancelled. I was like, oh, shit, I've got to go home now. Didn't want to go home. And he turned up and this, he just played football with me for an hour and a half. I was just like, this is like the most amazing thing. And to me at the time, with what I had going on at home, it was the most amazing thing for me. It was like some, you know, an adult, an adult figure is taking the time out to do something with me and it was brilliant. And I, I was in love with the club from then on. You know, don't worry, I've had my arguments and stuff. And I think that's probably why I get so, I've been so emotional about it. You know, I'm dev- I'm, I was overprotective maybe. I was probably just say overprotective. You know, it was my club. It was somewhere that made me happy. And that's, when I took over as a manager, that's what I wanted everyone to have, whether you're an adult, you know, if you're going through a divorce or... You're having a bad time at work or with your kid. You know, that was that one place where you go and you go, you know what, I enjoy coming training. It gives me a safe place. You know, but up that old club, after training, the sessions that used to go on on a Monday night, we're watching the Monday night football. It was brilliant up there. I mean, I think I think I, I, a lot of people say it, but I think Unibills lost a bit of its soul when he went to the other clubhouse. It needed to happen, but I think they lost a bit of its family connection once it went up there. I think, I, think, but, I think I still remember that telly that was in there, but it was up on the corner, wasn't it, in the wall? <laughs> yeah, the biggest TV in the world. Well, yeah, I don't know. They must have got a crane or something to lift the telly up there because it must have weighed about two tonne. It, uh, it, it was massive. It was the strongest shelf. must have been the strongest shelf ever built by anyone because it was the biggest TV. It wasn't even big as in wide. It just went that far back. It yeah. was, yeah, it was it's, gigantic. Yeah, it was SES must have had a good job that weekend. Carter must have done well out of it. That's what it was. I think he was... A, I think he was only an office junior at that time, so I don't know whether he uh, had the power to get anyone up there, but yeah, probably he did, to be fair. But you know, when, yeah. but th- at that time, the club, there was always like builders and painters and decorators and everybody. No, you didn't have to pay to get people to come in. It was always like someone would do something for the club. Like, you know, yeah, I remember a story. Yeah, there was a club, the old clubhouse before that. That was built by, you know, um, all the old guards. You know, if it wasn't for them, like the BEs and stuff, they built this clubhouse. They helped do it and stuff and then, you know, brought it back to life. And then obviously the other clubhouse got built as well. But um, yeah, that was a good thing about it. You know, as I said, there was a family atmosphere. Everybody got involved and everybody did something for the club. And it was brilliant. And that's what I, you know, as a, as in senior football and right throughout the club, when I took over, that's exactly what I wanted. I was like, it's not just about the football. It's got to be about, it's just some way you can come and you can have like, no matter what's going on in your life, you got that bit of peace, you know, and some way you can be happy. So it's that escape. Yeah. It's, that, it's that escape from reality for you and, you can go out there it was, and you yeah. can just have, have two hours to yourself or you can be yourself yeah. and who you want to be for two hours out there and do what yeah. you want to do. Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, it was. And that's what it is. You know, I, football football probably saved me in a way. I was so I was so within myself and I hated going to school, like a bully at school. And I'm like, no, and I, no, as I said, my dad was heavy-handed and it was like, a lot, a lot. I don't think a lot of people know it and stuff, but, you know, and it was a lot of stuff that went on. And uh, we had no money whatsoever. You know, we were nearly out on our asses. Sometimes that we only lost a house and stuff, you know. It was it was it was a bad, 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 you know. And that, but that just gave me that escape, you know. It was it, it was it was brilliant. And 
once I became, once people realised I was good at football, it, people left me alone at school then. You know, it became like, oh, he's, he can play football, he's fine now. So it, it, it wasn't just like the home thing. I was away from home, I could just do my thing. But even then, my dad started like being nice to me. You know, it was like, oh, he's got a talent or something, you know, and he's like oh, bo- an occasional boast and stuff, you know. And it, so all those things just came from football in one club, you know, and that's, you know, it was massive, 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 massive impact in my life. It was it's, it it's life changing. It, it's life changing, isn't it? It was like one football club has changed your life from yeah, from it did, yeah, what, yeah. And it's it's probably, I think it's fair to say, it's not just changed your life from that moment on. It's changed your life going forward as well. It's changed you as a person. Yeah, it probably has. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm so bellend, but uh, oh, I didn't want to say just, that. Uh, but we both agree on that. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, and I think I have run into people at the club, and I have one of the people that work at the club and I've had one of the people about who talk about the club and stuff, but I've never had anything about the club. It's never been about me. You know, I've never, I didn't start, I missed, in the five years I was there as first year manager, I missed one training session and one match the whole time. You know, I was a first in, last out. I was up there at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd help with the juniors, I'd line pitches, I'd sort out food if I needed to. I'd be there at six, seven o'clock. I'd wait to see the kit, though the kit was washed. You know, what I, I always wanted the best and, I think people just took me as being a dick, which I, I was, but I was of the opinion, if you're doing something for this club that I love, it's my, it's in a way my family, um, you don't do it when you feel like it. You do it because it needs doing it, it needs doing now. That's when you do it. You know, you do it to the best of your ability. You know, the boys deserve the best. You know, they deserve the best training. As a coach, you should turn up. Everything should be ready. Everything should be on the go. The match kit should be ready. Everything, everything in my eyes, everything had to be perfect. And you no, know, if you're going to do it, do it properly, you know, I don't think, I mean, you've done it yourself. You know, I don't think people understand the sacrifices in football. That when you sacrifice, your family sacrifices as well. You know, they've got to be willing to give up time with you for something you love. And I think people just go, oh, you know, he's a trainer all the time and stuff. But like my wife, my son had to accept that I'd be away all the time, doing, you know, up the club, doing stuff, whatever. But they, rather than moan about it, they embraced it and they started helping out. You know, Leo played for the club and he was like, up there sorting kits out and stuff. He'd come up on a Sunday Sunday afternoon and wash a kit with me and Hazel would do food and do teas and coffees and stuff. You know, and that was that was brilliant for me. And I don't think people understand when you're in a, in a especially when you're in a marriage, how much, if you do it properly, everyone else sacrifices because it's not just you sacrificing, it's everybody in your family's sacrificing. So it is a major, major, major thing and stuff. But like, I loved it, you know, I loved it. I, 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 that was my dream job. I'd, I'd always had this dream in my head, and that was my dream job. It was, it was, you know, and I did it. You know, I didn't fulfil all the dreams I had, but I, I, I did exactly what I said I'd do when I took over. So, yeah. So we'll we'll roll it back a little bit for you. Okay. So we talked about what the club's done for you and what the club means to you. Okay. Yeah. But let's roll it back to when you started playing that that senior football and and that role. What yeah. what was your your involvement each season? Did it grow? Were you a combi player and then grew in the first team? And what happened on your playing path? Um, from oh, as you know, when you were younger, you could play when you were under sixteens. When you were under six, when you were under sixteen, so um, I started playing combi, and then as soon as it came a new season, when I was sixteen, and um, Gary Waitman was in charge actually. Alan Van Photos, he was the first team manager, but he didn't see me as a strike. He seen me as a right midfielder at the time. But when I was, you know, I was young, arrogant and stuff, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I wear my spot here, then do it. Oh, and I was like, you know, I had a bit of grudge in my shoulders, you know, 
Um, I probably didn't help myself because I was passionate. I, it, it, I think it was because I was passionate about the game because I wanted to do something so badly. And because it had made me so happy, I felt like it was like, well, well, this is why I'm happy. You know, I sort of lost it. But then, so I was in the first team to start off with. Then, I, um, damn, damn, not me, the United degrees the wrong way. So I was out for a while. Then between that and might be coming back, um, what's his name? Uh, Jasper Buchanan took over. And uh, I'd been playing combi, but then he came back and then we started getting, I started getting involved with the first team again, but that didn't last long. And then Degsy came in and I, me and Degsy were just uh, a clash. It was just a personality clash. That's nothing against him personally, you know. I was young. I was, I suppose you should say, I started to become arrogant. No, I was passionate about what I wanted and I probably, I well, I definitely did go a lot of things the wrong way. That's not to say that I don't think that as a, I was a kid, I was a young kid, I was an impressionable kid at the time, and I don't think I may have been managed the right way as well. As far as I think these days is a lot more common now that managers do look up to kids, you know, look after kids and understand that people are young and impressionable. Yeah, the man management's better these days, I think. And that's nothing that's, that's not a criticism of Degsy. You know, I didn't help myself by any means, but there was a lot of players there and stuff like you had the prices, you had the BEs and stuff, and they were all around the first team and there was a load of other players that came in, people that came in, you know, and there was like Graham Cooley, he was at the first, in the first time and he was my under 16 manager. I got, I, I love that guy a bit, honestly. He you know, he just like, set me on my path in the under 16s and I got there when it when it all changed for me. I was he was he was brilliant. He was just like, you know, just go and play football, enjoy yourself, you're captain, you're this and I was just like I was just buzzing. I was like I was like, hang on a sec, I'm getting picked on one week and now I'm captain of everybody and like, it just Elevated me, you know, and then um, I had fallen out with Derek. I was in, I was out, and then hurt me knee again. Then I had fall out with Derek, and then I moved away. I was playing in Yorkshire for a bit, moved to Yorkshire, and I was living in Yorkshire playing. Um, so really, first, I'd say two, three years, it was first team combi. I get in the first team, do it right. Sometimes it would be me, sometimes it would just be a clash. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things. I, I, I probably didn't understand. I didn't understand the game enough as well that because I started trading late and playing late, there were certain things that I just didn't understand about the game. You know, I was just like a headless fucking chicken, just running around, just like yeah. I was, you, I you, hard, you know, you hadn't developed that that either mentally where you needed to be at the right time yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Whereas if you With played some, from yeah. a younger age, you'd have picked that up like naturally. It would have come naturally to you as you got older. You you were having to learn that at an older age. Yeah, basically, yeah. You know, and was it was it explained to me? Maybe sometimes it was, but I don't think it. Maybe it was because as I said, you no. Know, back in them days, your warm up was like get the ball, kick it, go to training, have a game of football, do shuttle runs. That's what it was, you know. When football's developed completely, right? To it's got to be proper training, structured training sessions. You know, and I probably I, I, and that's, I didn't help myself. Maybe there was, and it does. You have managers you just class with, and nothing's going to change. You know, it's personalities. We both loved the club, me and Degsy, you know, but we did clash. Um, as I said, I moved away. Um, when I came back, Degsy was Degsy was still winning stuff after five years, you know, some of the teams he had, and you no, know, and you can't say you can't say he was wrong with what he did because look at all the trophies Derek won for Mills. It's like he won trophy after trophy after trophy. You no, know, it was up yo yo a bit sometimes, but you know, some of the players he had, you know, Sam Keynes and AJ Suckland. Matty Kane, you know, some unbelievable players have played for him. And uh, then when I but when I came back, um, 
Sonic and Mike Kelly, Wayne Kelly's dad was in charge of the combi, and Degsy was still obviously in charge of the first team with Darren Scarf. I started playing comp. I was about, I must have been about three stone heavier than I am now when I came back. So it took me a few months to get fit, but I put my head down, wasn't going out five nights, got myself fit, but um, I got, I got, I started getting frustrated because I wasn't getting in the team. But that's the team that, that year, the first team was fighting for promotion and the combi were like top of the league. We were top of the league, they were top of the league all season. So I just started playing right back and uh, that was where I got in. I was like right back and I was played right back all season. To be fair, I actually enjoyed it there. You now I had uh, Dunkey in front of me, Chris, Craig Duncan, unbelievable right foot. Inside me was John Nash, probably the best footballer I've ever played with. I think he's ridiculous. Don't, don't, um, don't tell him that. It's my cousin. Do not tell him that. I know. His head, you know, <laughs> I told him a thousand times. I've, I've got a scheme next week. It's Christmas. He's just not, all I'm going to have on repeat is that. I've said it a thousand times. I mean, but he's, yeah, but you know how talented he was. I mean, I don't think a lot of people do know, but you play with John. You know, it was under it was scales when he was younger. Steve Nash was in net. Gary Smith up top. Um, Darren Scarf in the middle. Mikey Nash in the middle. It, it was an unbelievable team, you know. And I was like, once I got in, I was like, I'd learned from the mistakes in the past and gone. Once I got in, I was like, I'm not fucking losing this. I'm training every time. I'm I'm at it and stuff. I got it, and we know we won the league that year. We came, I think, we were cheated out of a final potentially that year. You know, it is what it is. You you get results when you yourself when you buy luck as well. So, um, but it was an unbelievable team that season. And then next season, I was just, I was sort of I had only combi basically um, when I came back. But I was happy playing football, in all honesty. You know, and at the time, the first team had Tomo, um, Quiner, Matty Kane, Mikey Nash had gone up, you know, progressed at the first team. Big Shim, you know, Stoney was in next. That's that's an unbelievable players, though. Hicksy, it was, a, you weren't getting in there. So, I mean, but because I think it always helps when a combi's playing well and fighting for a title, you're not as begrudging as playing in the combi because you've got something to play for. Well, than like, oh, oh God, I'm playing with a load of duds or something and um, you're going to get beat and, you know, stuff. When you've got something to play for, it makes it a lot more easy to accept. I mean, to be fair, I didn't get myself as fit as I could have. You know, I was fit. I was fit enough for combi. You know, I'd, 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 I'd learned you a lot can, of stuff away, in York. Yeah, you can get away yeah. with it a little bit in the combi, can't you? you know, that's, that's nothing against anyone playing combi football, but you, you're playing in the combi because it's a little bit of a slower pace. That, that's it that's is, yeah, comedy I mean, football. Yeah. yeah, it is. And the older you get, and if you've got a if you if you've got anything about you and you learn, you you take stuff on board, which I started doing. Um, I was like, I I, I started understanding the game better. So as I was playing with White back then, and then a couple of years later, um, Steve Nash and Aki took over. Um, Steve Nash is brilliant with me. He goes, he goes, I'm putting you back up front, maybe captain. And uh, I think me and, it was me and Blair up top. And that season, we were absolutely fine. It was also in Corinthians. Corinthians had um, Stoy and Egg, uh, Tony Edgar and a, a, a really good combi, really good young combi. And we were fighting all season. It was a bit of a, you know, the, the way it finished for me wasn't um, the best. But every I, I think I scored every single game that season. Um, we were winning, 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 winning. And then it came down to the last couple of games and it was us versus Corinthians. Whoever won the game won the league, basically. Um, Steve Nash left, and then someone else took over, and uh, they dropped me. <laughs> um, I still don't... And, and I, 
It's that without being big headed, that gate, that day, that I, didn't, I wasn't even told I was dropped. I wasn't even told I was dropped. We're in the change rooms, you're leading out a team. And I was like, what? And I was nearly in tears. I'm like, I've captain this all season. I've no, I've got us to help to get us towards fighting for a league. I put the whole dressing room, you could feel it. Like everyone's like, what's going on here? Like, what, what, why, what, 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 why? You know, I've spoke to the person about it. Um, he said that, you know, probably did it for the wrong reasons. You know, it was to, it was to get control of the change room or whatever. Cause, cause I'm a vocal person and stuff and that. I get what I get the reason behind it, but I'd have finished the season with us with the strongest team against the other strongest team, you know. Um, if it's then, one game, if it's one game at the end of the season, you've got to go for it. You know, it's it's yeah. one of them. It, it, there's a trophy on the line at the end of it. Why you? I, it's beyond. It beggars belief that you don't go out with your strongest team, even if you've got to upset a couple of people higher up just to get that result. Because in the long run coming up for the next season that's going to bring more people in yeah and it, and that honestly that was uh, that I think that was our worst moment in football just to I'd, I'd say because I was like I've kept I was I was honestly I was well I was well enough. I had to walk out of change rooms like and the, but the problem was everyone went on the gate before the game was talking about they're going I don't get it I don't get it why why you dropped what what's got I don't I, you know and you know it is what it is um but you know as we go on I'll explain that that incident helped me with my management and how I how I do things, how I wanted to do things and how, you know, that way. And then I was told that I was surplus to requirements after that, won't get a game the next season. I'm going to use someone else, other people. I was like, right. And I didn't want to play for anyone else. You know, I was like, this is my club. I just, I know all I want to do. So I went training for a bit, you know, thought I pushed my way in. I had a couple of friendlies, but then it was just like, no, just no, no matter what I did, even I, I think it was just one of those ones. The decision was made. I wasn't going to play. So, could have scored a bicycle overhead bicycle kick from 40 yards, three games on the trot pre-season, and then assisted so, yeah. another 15 goals. But it, that person, that person, you just weren't for them at that time. Yeah, and you know, and I, in a way, I get it. It's, you know, I am a vocal person, even if I've, you know, I've got my opinion in the changing rooms and people don't like it sometimes, some people do like it sometimes, you know, whatever it is. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'll never bother anyone for trying something unless it's to the detriment of the team. You know, my main bugbear is if you don't work your bollocks off. You know, if you're not doing that, then you're on my shit list. You know, you get it for one warning and then you get another warning. You no, know, I was in my thirties and overweight and I could run for 90 minutes. If I can do that, you can. Type of thing. But it's just one of those things and I, I just stepped away completely. Didn't go and watch. Wasn't interested. You know, so I was I was hurt by it. Um then I thought, you know, then the next season started. And I thought, you know what, I'll try again. It just, no. I was like, no, what? Then I signed for a couple of clubs. Uh, I signed for a club. Um, it lasted about two weeks of pre-season. It, I was just like, I was actually walking out from a training session. I was walking on the road. And Steve Carter drove past me. He goes, oh, what are you doing? I said, I can't do it. I can't wear another shirt, basically. I was like, I, I literally, I couldn't wear it. It just felt wrong, completely wrong. I wearing another team shirt. So I was like, I transferred back. But then it started becoming a vet's. It just it was a year or so before the vets it was. And then Jody Scarf took over half of the season. Things went had gone wrong with this whatever reasons. And Jody Scarf took over, phones you up, he goes, I want you to come and play, but you know, you got your experience. I was like, Yeah, yeah, sound. He goes, I want you to do a defensive midfield role. I was like, No, right, a different role, but yeah, sound. And it flew. I honestly I played my best football under Jody Scarf. I I, I loved it. It was just like and I th- 
me and him absolutely hated each other, which is what you what, what you were saying, you know. But the, as we grew older, I think there may be mutual respect that we both loved the club, you know, and and people not and we both had this. Not, we're not running and not doing the simple things. It's not acceptable, you know. I was like his manager on the pitch. He was like his manager on the pitch, but I played my best. There was I was like joint top goal scorer from defensive midfield, and we let me have free kicks. I was picking passes, but you know I was doing all the dirty stuff, getting in people's faces. But I loved it. I I, I, I honestly loved every minute of playing under Jody Scarf. I he was it was he was perfect for me at the time. No, he got like three or four years out of me. Then I just tired out, and I was just like. You know, you start losing pain. No, even your brain's quick enough. But no, when your brain's quick enough to get you out of certain situations, but it became, my brain was quick enough, but my legs were got even slower and slower and slower. It just became where I couldn't do it. And age, then, age caught well, up with you in the end. It did, yeah. And I, I made a few comebacks now and again and stuff, uh, but it wasn't really, um, well, it wasn't really for me. Um, I, I wasn't doing myself justice. I didn't want to take people's places that were young lads and stuff. So I stepped away and then um, I started doing the combi. Um, yeah, I started doing the combi with Tomo for a bit. But um, the first team manager at the time, I didn't really get on with. Um, didn't uh, I, I was a few bit. There was a, a thing that I didn't want the youngsters to come through. There was a crop of youngsters when you most had that young thing that I didn't want to come through, didn't come through, which is absolute load of nonsense. I just said they had to train. But they weren't being made to train at senior level. And then there were certain players like, Lacey and Kel, no, it was 27 year olds who felt we were like sort of getting pushed away. I was like, these lads are 27, they've won leagues and cups. Why would you want to push them away? Surely you want these lads to learn off them. And this is a good thing. Some of these lads were unbelievable. It's like a crop of them, it was just ridiculous how good they were. But they were, my argument was, I'm going, yeah, I've got no issue with them. They're good enough. They start first team, but they've got to train, you know. And some of them were going away and they were like in California or away at university. And you were coming back and just getting dropped for players that were there week in, week out. And I'm like, that player you've got week in, week out is not going to play for you properly or give 100%. Because he knows as soon as that person goes back, he's dropped. It's only for two games or one game, but that's what was happening. So I just argued and argued and argued with it. I was like, you know what? I'm, I, don't, I, can't, I can't coach like this. I can't. It, it wasn't for me. So I stepped away from that. Um, it was then... I took. I'm trying to think where it went from here. Yeah, so I stepped. I stepped away from it all, and I wasn't happy. And then a new manager took over. Um, for the thing I started doing the combi, but that was <laughs> in a shocking turn of events. There's a common denominator. Here. Um, it started becoming a loggerheads. You know, I'm. As I said I always wanted the best. I wanted the best for the lads. Um, I wanted the best facilities. I wanted the best training. I wanted that. That's what I wanted all the time. And I, I didn't think it was acceptable that what was happening with the manager, they would turn up once a week or you couldn't go this week or this. And then we got in a conversation and it was like, I was like, you're the first team manager. You should be the first one in the door. That's why you should be every training session. No, I shouldn't. I was like, yeah, this is not for me, mate. You know, that's that's how I think things should be done. You know, um, I, think that's that's how I, everyone, I think that's how everyone thinks it should be done, though, isn't it? It's, you know... Yeah, He's, yeah, he is yeah. there. He is there as a first team manager to pick the best of the best who train week in, week out, and they need to see them. I understand if there's like a family emergency or something, but you've made oh, that yeah. commitment exactly. as a first team manager to go up there and be the the spearhead for your club, 
and lead that club with the best players you can. You can't do that by only turning up to one session out of two a week because someone, I on the Isle of Man, nine times out of ten, one session's indoors, one session's outdoors. Do you know what? Me and yeah. you could play five-a-side, Steve, tomorrow and score ten goals each, turn people and just have a laugh for the next, you know, yeah. for five games. But he's turned up to that and think we're amazing. Turns up on a Thursday night and I can't hit a barn door. Do you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's... To be fair, I'm not saying that it was wrong because I'm, you know, there's different styles of play, there's different ways of management, there's different ways of coaching. I'm not saying it was wrong. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was right, but that's not to say it was wrong. And how? No, I'm not here to dictate who should manage, how they manage, or coach I manage. Do if I don't agree with it, I'll say something, but it doesn't make me right. I don't know. It, it's just I didn't. It wasn't. It didn't fit with me. It didn't work with me. I didn't agree with it. If I didn't agree with it, I'm not going to be involved in it. You know that it was as simple as that. That's not to say it was wrong, but you know it. It just wasn't wasn't for me. You, you'd been so brought then, up. You'd been brought up at the club on that ethos of train hard. Managers always there, and that's what it's because it's your club. That's what you've always wanted, and that's yeah, that's I mean, the way yeah, you've seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, and I, I, I don't know whether it's just how I am and how I think, and I, and I said, you know, a lot of stuff that happened to me in football, positives and negatives, moulded how I wanted to manage and how I wanted to come to be and stuff. You know, it's, I mean, I didn't agree with everything Dex did, but he's got he's trophy, he was trophy laden at Mill, so you can't criticise. You know, did I agree with it with some of the stuff? No, but I've got full respect for the man. He won trophy after trophy after trophy. He won trophies against first division teams and in the second division you know he had one of the like, AJ oh, that team was unbelievable it was a great 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 team you know so if he's got trophies to back it is he wrong you know it's football isn't it if you've it, got silver silverware at the end of the day it shows your credentials it shows that you've it does, managed it, it, you've, you've got yeah. a team together made them that cohesive and that well drilled that they do that every week, week in, week out, reflect on what your ideas are, and they've done that consistently enough that they've gone and won things, which is a reflection on you. So, yeah, that's, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's do you get that result at the end of it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's got the result. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think trophies, everybody wants trophies, everybody wants it, you know, but there's a, when we get on in the future, and a bit in this, um, you know, I've got other things that I want out of it as well. But the fact is, some players work better when they're, you know, if they're guaranteed their spots, they flourish, you know. And if that's what happens, then, and they win trophies, then who are we to argue, you know, that's wrong. It worked, you know. It, because Geordie's, Geordie's went, like, got our first team, like, and this is what it was, they had a 15, 16 players. Do I agree with that? I, I'm like a whole club type of guy. That's not to say they're not old club, but you no, know, the success they had is ridiculous. She can't knock it. You know, it's not saying I don't have to agree with it. It doesn't make it right. You know, it, it, it they won trophy after trophy after trophy. You've had some of the best players on your arms. You know, the, the, you can't knock. You know, I don't know. Oh, I don't like the way. I, I don't like. The, I don't like. I don't like the way Sam Allardyce plays football. But I respect him for what he gets out of football. You know, it it, it doesn't. You don't have to like something, but you can respect it. At the same time, you know, oh, but yeah. it just and wasn't for me. You know, well, I had, you know that, I had, that's all it was. I had John Galton on last week and he could not speak highly enough of Chris Bass Sr.'s desire to win. I think the term he used was 
if the, if there was a goal in front of him and something was on fire, um, and it no, his wife was on fire. Sorry, if Karen was on fire, he'd push her out of the way to score, and that's how much he yeah, wanted to win know. things. And that's just yeah. he took he took his style of play into his management, and and that's yeah, and what you want. Yeah, you know, and it's like there's probably players that have probably been top players that have gone to Geordies and not enjoyed it, so left because it's not for them, you know. And that doesn't make what they're doing wrong because they had trophies. And that's, I you know it, what what was happening in the first year manager and while I was coming manager, it didn't fit within how I wanted to manage and how I wanted to, what, I, what I wanted to be part of, shall we say. Not in a negative way, it just wasn't, it just didn't suit me. I wasn't, I wasn't down for it type of thing. So, um, it wasn't that, but eventually that guy left. Um, the club at the time, I think we become a bit of a laughing stock, quite honestly. Not because of any, I don't think because of a manager, I think because of a the whole thing. I think the whole thing, the whole structure falling down. All the juniors had left, you got off to Geordie's, and um, maybe management had something to do with it. Um, was the committee something to do with it? There was just a whole breakdown. It was that there was there was just it was that perfect storm it, it, of everything it, it, happening at one time that caused I it think so. to sort of demise. And, and like I said before, when when they went up to club, when went left to the old club to the new club, they, uh, I think we lost a bit of our soul in a way. You know, because that club was unbelievable. You had the crappy little corner where there was always a bog. You know, everyone would be training up there all the time. There was, you know, it was just it was just a great, great yeah, donkey behind the bar, giving out free black currant and water to the young lads who didn't have any money, you know. It was a, it was it was just like a great, 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 great atmosphere up there. And I think it became that big. And then a lot of things just it just manifested that maybe things maybe people got lazy, uh, you know. I know I know they were going out for people to get a, for, for the job and people were saying no. I was like, you know what? I thought so I did like a it was a bit like a Jerry Maguire. I did this big thing, and I emailed it off to Steve Carter and Kev Cartledge. I was out saying, like, you know, it's my club, you know, I believe I can get us back. Um, this is my plan. I'll get us, you know, I said, I'll do this, do this in this many years. Um, I'll get a load of juniors. And, and you know, I had, this, I had a plan and in my head. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, how I wanted to play, and how I was going to go about it. And uh, so when I took over, the, so eventually, so they gave me the job in the end. I think. I think that was a last resort, to be honest, which I think I was. You know, I, I hadn't managed a first team ever, you know, during crisis, but I think it was just like, you know, give them a go, what's it going to go? And I think it ended up being the perfect storm in a good way, where I was the right man in the right place at the right time for the right job, and I wasn't going to accept anything, you know. Um, and I was like, that was my dream job. Honestly, I was like, I for years, I just, and people think it's... I think it's stupid and stuff like that, but like, that was my club, the club I loved, the club that helped me when I was younger. You know, it got me out of a dark place, that had given me trophies. You know, we won, I won leagues with them, cups with them. Um, I, it, you know, it was just, I, although there was downs, there were so many positives within that, that it was, I, I, just, I just loved the club. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And from day one, I went in, I was like, listen, we're gonna play. We're gonna play attacking football. This is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna do it now. It's not gonna be like grab a player here, grab a player there, and stuff. And when I got to training, the first training session, there were seven players, and there was about five under sixteens training, and another no for the under sixteens. It was literally that bad. 
there was player trainers. I know there was players training at Omkin, uh, Laxey, and a couple of other places. They were gone. They were, they were literally gone. So I convinced them to stay. And then first season, you know, we, we didn't go up. Um, it was, uh, but it was about, but you could see something straight away. They were enjoying their football. You know, I want to play attack of football. Do we concede two or three? Yeah, fine. But we're going to score five or six. You know, and that's how I wanted to. I wanted players to work within the system, but win. No, but with attack and, no, I want them to go 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 home and go, yeah, oh, I love that today. I want their parents or their girlfriends or whatever to watch and go, that is unbelievable. You know, that is absolutely unbelievable, that football. Um, so, and it, it was always a, it was never, and I said to the committee, I was like, it's not now, it's going to be over time. It isn't going to work straight away. It's going to be backwards. It's going to be problems and stuff. But every year we added, we added, we added, right? Whether it was coaching standards, whether it was something else. No, I wasn't, I'm always one for, I hate players turning up in random, random clothes. Does my head in. And annoys, annoys, annoys the hell out of me. You know, I'm like, if you look like a team and you dress like a team, you feel like a team, you'll play like a team. You know, you don't need to change. No, and I've, I've put things in place like you do not leave the changing rooms unless you leave the changing room together. You warm up together. You wear, you, you all turn up in club gear. And um, we had, I, I got club ties for dues. You know, yeah, yeah, to wear a light blue shirt. And there was a club tie with club emblem on. You know, had to be, um, had to be, everything had to be the best it could possibly be. You know, you had to look as professional as you could possibly be within amateur football. Um, and it, it took time and, you know, but every year, and I, I doubted myself more than anyone else. You know, things would go wrong and I'd come home and the missus would be like, oh, and I'd stew on it for days and stuff, you know, that, oh, was I doing it right? Are they getting, are they getting anything out of it? You know, um, and I was so intense with it all the time. It's funny, but I had to be there all the time. And I became a bit of a control freak with it all, but, you know, the first season we did well, second season, and then it was, then COVID hits, doesn't it? You know, and you can, we were just hitting that thing where we were. I think, I think to... there's a, there a lot of clubs in that position. Um, when COVID hit, they were either, they were coming back from where they hadn't been for a little while or yeah. they'd, they'd been declining and COVID actually helped them in a way where give them a little break from, from what they needed to. Um, I know at the time, yeah. like I, I'm only speaking from personal experience um, because I've still got a massive grudge about it more than anything. I was at St. Mary's and we were top of the league yeah. and it got cancelled and I was fuming with that as a yeah, coach. Yeah. So I don't know how the players felt, but I was fuming as a coach. I don't know how you felt at your point in time with it. Um, I, I, the way the points were worked out, I wasn't happy with because the way it was points per game, we still had to play the top teams or something like that. And, I, and I'm like, well, if we play them and beat them, that points will be different completely. You know, it, it didn't even, but then I was like, you know what? If I want to go up, and then we were given the option, we, we, they were said, listen, there's a chance teams are going to come down. Do you want to go up? So I, I was like, I always wanted the club to be. Like, um, we all discuss this, not just the players, not just me, committee, anyone, what, you know, we all have a discussion about it. So, we all discussed it. We went, no, we want to win it. We want to win it and go up and get it. You know, so no one can say anything. No one can argue. No one can say, oh, you're giving it. And that, you know, you got, we got it. I was like, I'm down with that. I'm, I'm with that. And then, to be fair, COVID gave me so much time to 
I was I sat there and reflecting. I was always trying to do things like I was uh, doing zooms and stuff, and I trying to do quiz nights with the lads. So I'm trying to keep involved, but I was always two thirds of the way through the season. I'm thinking about next season. Like, okay, how we training better? What can we do to make this better? What we do? I was always wanting to make it so there's the next level the next week or the next year and you know I didn't want it to be monotonous but I wanted it to be monotonous as in like we had like patterns of play and this is how we do and we're going to play up in the back and that set that would go over and over and over and over and over until it got in into players and if it took some players longer then fine we keep doing it do we concede goals of it no a lot of the mistakes and stuff that we conceded that happened to us was errors do, learning what we were doing but those two, three years of doing that, when we won the league, we earned that on merit. You know, and I think, and it, I knew, I've only ever, 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 ever poached one player in my life, a message of player in my life. Because I, I, I find it a bit disrespectful, to be honest, when players are contacting your players and thing like, you know, and, and that was Owen Quayle. I mean, I was like, I was speaking to Mike Equellen, I was speaking to Sherman, I was like, I want I want my own own query. I think I think he's like the missing piece for us at the back. You know, we've got big strong defenders, but he's like fast, he can read the game, he can bring the ball out. I was like, that's exactly what we need, type of thing. So he came up and we I think because he had that pre-season, he gets told clubs that he could only train and you could only have ten people on site or something at a time when you train with the COVID yeah. rules. And you had to socially distance, didn't you, in squares yeah. and squares. Everyone had to yeah. get changed in like coned out squares yeah. and stuff like that. The moment, the moment they said that, I'm like, boom, working out. I was working out sessions that we could do that were involved keeping everyone away. I was like, on it straight away. It's like, this is what we do. Speaking to Mike Equellen, speaking to Shane, going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And then uh, it was like, I messaged Owen Quayle. I was like, and Mikey messaged Owen Quayle. We were like, listen, listen. And, he, and full respect to Owen, Owen goes, look, pull you in trouble. He goes, if. You sort themselves out. I'm staying with them. I'm not going to bail on them. I was like, mate, and I, I, I was like, I was so much respect for that. It was unbelievable. I was like, he goes, I'm, I'll come train them, but if they sort themselves out, I think as it happens, they didn't sort themselves out. So we came, but then along with that came Kenny Cowan and Nay, and Nay, Nay's on. I mean, Nay used to pay for Mills. He was a Mills lad, you know. Came through, and then he was what a difference he made on that midfield. He's just like. Blunt force trauma, but he's technically good. He reads the game. He's not. He can win the ball, and it it was like that. I didn't even realize we needed that as much because I was so I was so intent on attacking that now. But then he just did that thing where Sean Trailer could go off, Ryan Kelly could go off, Boozy could go off, Jordan can go off, fullbacks can go off, and he's like, "I'll sit here. Don't you worry. I've got it." Type of thing. You know, it was so Owen went on one of his mazes. It's all right, boys. I'll sit in. You know, he just he just locked it all together for it, us. It was, it, 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 it was just a natural natural sort of position that was filled and he didn't yeah. have to be told what to do when he was filling it. It was, it just came naturally to, to Nay. Uh, people yeah. don't know we're talking about Nathan Yates, um, yeah. but he, obviously he was at Pulley for a long time with Owen, with Kenny, you know, some yeah. of them boys, but yeah, no. Um, and he, he, I've seen it firsthand. He does, he naturally sits in. He, he, you could class him as a bit of a six, couldn't you? And, and sitting in front of that yeah. back line. Yeah, it, and it was it, it, and it it worked out even better for us. And in that season, we went on that run, you know, and we were. It came. We lost against Rams Youth Centre. You know, it was also Rams Youth Centre that season. A, a lot, of, to be fair, that season, a lot, a lot of people put us down to go up. 
some people are putting us like fifth and sixth, and we're like, he's ridiculous. Like, I mean, have you seen what we've got here? Like, you know, have you seen every year we get better and better and better? It wasn't about you no. Know, we when we won that league, all the players for um, Kenny, but Kenny was in and out because he had it was work moments. Barney, Owen, and Jordan Crawley who came back. That was the same squad we had when I took over. No, that it was Craig Ennett, Dylan Campbell, yeah, Richie Payat, Richie Cannell, Ryan Kelly, uh, Boothie. Boothie was with us, but he went and came back. But Boothie, Kyle Ewan, you know, Colin Garrity, these are all with me. But it, and it wasn't just like, oh, they've got the best players in, they've won the league or they've gone off. They, we had a style of playing, we had a way of playing and stuff. And they each year they'd added and added and added. It became, you know, you know, Mighty Quellen's coaching, honestly. When I put, when I asked him to coach, he, he damaged his leg badly. When I asked him to coach, um, it was like, I think people didn't respect him enough. You know, he was, he was always a joker and stuff. But honestly, the sessions that lad can put on are ridiculous. I can't put sessions on. I can't. I openly admit, I can manage, I can man manage, I can whatever. But I'd say to him, and Aaron Delaney was there as well, for a bit as well, um, I'd say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And you go, all right, <laughs> turns up with these drills, bang, 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 bang. That, you know, and he just had them off. I'm like, how the fuck does he do How did he do that? Like, I just, I, I can't put that into a session, like, where, and I, but I'm not afraid of getting people around me that, to uh, fill my weaknesses, you know. And I think any good manager, they've got to go, I'm not good at that. I need someone in who can help with it, you know. And so as much as I managed, you know, Mikey and Aaron and Shim, they all did. They had all these little specific things they did that added to it and stuff. But the lads are on board, you know. And that season was an unbelievable season, especially with Vince dying. You know, it's a shame he wasn't there for it. You know, he's such a. He was seeing it. He was starting to see it get better. And you no, know, that that league win. I was like, I was in. I was in heaven. I was like, I was just. I'm, I'm like basically Phil my dream here. I've taken over as first team manager. I've won us a league. Well, I'm, well no, I've helped win us a league. It's like no. From where we were three years ago, where there was like five people training, you know, these lads have stayed, they've committed, they've got into it and stuff. It was brilliant. I mean, there was a, and then COVID hit halfway through, oh, about two thirds through that season. And there was a point where I didn't have to speak before matches, hardly. It was just, they were just going out. It was like, you were just like a machine. It was like, go, 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 go. You knew what they're doing. You knew what, what we wanted. You knew what expected. And then bang, COVID. I was like, oh, you're joking me. And that COVID, uh, it was a lockdown, it was. I was like, oh, it wasn't, it was a, um, circuit breakers and stuff. And then you had the COVID thing after Christmas. I was like, oh, and then Reps is like, we might have to cancel the league. I was like, oh, mate, not like this. Obviously, Corinthians were going to do theirs as well. Like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need this. Don't need this. Um, and then we got back and, I, I, it hit us hard that in a way because I think we was we were training like as soon as lockdown as soon as you did that thing like we were training long before everyone else we were training we were so fit I think you came and watched us one game in pre-season I think and it was just like yeah I, I think I, were you playing I don't know if you played Onken I think it was Onken and I and you're like you're good like, and it was like we were so fit we were so football fit it was everyone knew exactly what they were doing, how we were going to play, what we were going to do, and it was it was it, it was just going, and then it came back and installed us so badly. And 
we got over the line. We won the league in the end, you know, um, and it was, but the cups were the disappointment for me. Like, oh, well, that actually segues in quite nicely to the question that I've had from Hattie for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, obviously, you won the division two title with Mills as a manager. How does that rate amongst your achievements during your time at Mills? Well, I think you've already answered that because you've said it's, you know, you've reached a life ambition there when you've got it. You know, yeah, yeah. Vince didn't get to see it, but you got that club of his to that point. I think yeah. I think you've already done that. But then it's set, it's, he's got a second part to the question. And he basically says, you missed out on the Woods Cup and Gold Cup that season. What yeah. were the factors on missing out on Cup success during that campaign? Um, other teams are better than us. And when, I know we came back, we stored and stuff. I, I genuinely believe if it wasn't for COVID, we we would. I think we might have won at least at least a cup. But you can't be disingenuous, you know. When you came, when we came back, Ankara were on fire when they came back. I mean, they were like the, I think they were the form team in the league. They just came, things clicked for them and stuff. You know, they deserved it they, on the day they beat us. You know, you can blame refs, you can blame. But whatever, like it's not like we didn't have things that fell for us throughout the season when we won the league. You don't win the league without getting luck. It's you know, it's it's it just you don't you know. So to say, I I was disappointed massively. No, I wanted the travel. I I wanted the travel. But part of my dream thing was to manage on the ball with the team. The Mills and watch it, watch us win and pick a trophy. It didn't happen. Um, but you can't disrespect other clubs that have won cups. You know. If any team wins it needs luck. Any you know, and if you if you win it, you're the best team for whatever reason. You know, we won a league, and as I said, you know, we got. I'm mean, in fact against Duncan. I remember against when we got beat by Duncan in the semi final. But I remember in the league match, I think it was Josh Brockbank got sent off. Ridiculous sending off. If I'm honest, it was it was ridiculous. Like I think he tried to block the ball and it hit his hand. Penalty, yeah. Sending off, no. Like you know, and I think we ended up beating them nine two that game. You no, know, but if, if we win the game a bit, but. You know, I think we would have won it nine two, maybe not. You know, but that was luck. You know, and we were struggling at that point in the game. So I am disappointed. Yeah, I'm massively disappointed. I wanted cups. He doesn't want to win cups for the club. He doesn't want to win everything. He doesn't want to do the trouble. I, I, if anything, I was more disappointed that we went through the season and got beat once. I was in the league. No, that's that's the thing that sits to me. You wanted the one game record, and it like there's one game where it's been nicked away from you. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 you know, and that's the one, you know, that probably sits on me worse. The fact we didn't go, because I think in the end we were so happy, and I think I don't know whether that happened within the players or whatever. You know, um, I was we were so happy that because it was like it was nearly cancelled. We nearly weren't getting anything anyway. Nobody was getting anything, um, so it was like we were so happy, relieved, the league. We were just like, we were playing every game going, oh my God, oh my God, please COVID, don't come back. And we were like that every game. We were talking to each other going, oh, we just, just need to get this game through. We just need to get this through. No, if we get to the point thing where two teams have gone up, say it was us and Ramsey U Centre, if we got to the point where us two got up, they couldn't really say we can't go up. And if it was two teams in relegation zone, we just wanted the league games to come and come and come and come and come. So we could just get, let's get up and we're done. You know, and I, and I think we, that was our main thing after we came back. We just wanted to win the league. But, you know, Onken, on the day, do we miss chances? Yeah, but you always miss chances. But Onken were the better day. On the day, they, they were winning the midfield battles. Cruz was an absolute colossus at the back. Dawson, who I tried, you know, I, 
I think he's a great goalkeeper. Yeah, man of the match. Yeah, thing. Did we? You no, know, they needed luck as well. But you know, you can't take away other teams' trophies and wins. Are, you know, it's disrespectful. You know, they've won that through the hard work and they've won that through endeavour. And to say that oh, if we it wasn't the COVID, we this or whatever. I, I don't think that. You no, know, they were the better team. You know, you need luck. You need you no. Know, it is what it is. Disappointed, yes. To answer Hetty's question, I'm, I'm massively disappointed. But no. I'm not going to take a cup away from or be disrespectful about a cup that another team's won, you know. And not, that's it, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's at the end of the day, it's 90 minutes that can win or lose you a cup anyways. You couldn't ever yeah. guarantee it. It's football. Nothing's ever guaranteed in it. It doesn't matter yeah, what, been, what the situation is. I've been involved in games. You've been involved in games where you've been absolutely battered all game. You have to think, then one shot. You see the Premier League. You know, oh, teams get battered, 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 yeah. battered. And then you're like, how the hell have they just won that? What is, what is happening here? You, know, you just, you know, the best example. That's, that's what happened, but the best example of that I've ever seen is that. Do you remember that Celtic Barcelona game in the Champions League? Barcelona, yeah, Barcelona had ninety-three yeah. percent possession or something, and Celtic yeah. robbed it in the last minute or something. Yeah, and and that's football, and that's what makes football great because of yeah, little yeah, things yeah. like that. One hundred percent. You know, Onkin does it. As I said, when after the lockdown, Onkin just came out of the blocks and he was flying. You know, and he won a couple deservedly. So you know, am I disappointed? Yes, of course. Nobody not disappointed, but you know, here's what it is. And you no, know, as long as you fight and you scrap and you do all the dirty stuff, even if we, you know, a team batters you, you know, as long as you do the dirty stuff and you put your shift in, you're always giving yourself a chance to grab something or sneak something or whatever. But you know, yeah, it was disappointing because I did want the trouble. But coming out of COVID, I think me and the players were just like. We want the league. No, we just want to get. We just wanted to win the league. You know, that was the thing. Even if the cups were cancelled or whatever, we just we just like we just want to get the league and win the league and go up. And that, that was it. That was literally our thing. But you know, once that finished and we went on to the cup, we wanted the cup. You know, we did, but we didn't. No, they were the better team. Can't argue it. I was, I was glad Onkin won it. You know, Onkin Onkin beat us, and then straight after the game, they were looking for somewhere to train, and I was like, yeah, they can train at the club. You know. I could have been a bit of a knobhead about it, you know. I went, oh no, we but you know, they they deserved it. They were a good club. Onkin are one of the good clubs. No, yeah, they didn't. The people there, um, and you know, there, but Brian Brian Callow and you know, oh Brian, you know, like uh, that uh, that man, what he's done for Mount Football, people will not yeah. ever know. People, oh, honestly, people who don't know Brian, and I, I know yeah. Brian personally. Like I've I've grown up playing football for Brian, and yeah. I was in. I went to. When Onkin restarted their junior setup, I was in the first ever team that they restarted their junior setup with at under 15. Yeah. Brian was my manager then. And I've yeah. known Brian since the age of about 14. He's been a family friend of ours for years. Yeah. And what that man has done for Manx football behind the scenes, people never, ever know. And if, and if, you, if, you, if, you, if, if you point to me, someone who's got a more of a football purist than Brian Callow, I'm going to point to a liar because he's, he, he literally. He doesn't do it for himself. He does it, you know, and he wants the he wants the best. He wants he wants the best, but he wants it fair as well. You know, I might be getting him in trouble here, but he came uh, when we were doing sixteens a few years ago, he said, Oh, one of the lads hasn't played enough games to play in the match. I was like, let him play. I'm not gonna start a sixteen year old play, you know. And it was against the rules, but we're like, we don't care. You know, me and him were fighting to what a player that was overage, but he was um he wanted to play under sixteens. And we fought to the nail for him. So, and Brian was, Brian was spearheaded that, you know, the man is just, uh, Leo, like, we saw Leo absolutely loves him, you know, 
Um, I've got so much time for Brian. I'm not going to lie, this last year, I, last 18 months, I've been so... I hated football. I, 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 I'd say the word hate. I hated football. I'd fallen out of love with it. I was disgusted with it. I just, I so just wasn't... So we'll just... We'll, we'll roll it back. So is this where... Oh, yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Your, your management is coming to an end then. Your management days are coming back. And how does it end? How do you fall out of love with football and stop managing? Well, we, um, we got promoted, you know, and as I said, when we were there, it was like, I had no, for years, I was like, I'd have players play on this issue. I'd, I'd have them around my house. I'd go and see them. If you want to do an ex-training session, I'd go up my own time, do an ex-training session. You wanted to phone me. I was all, I was readily available every single time. There's no, the, the only time I said, I said, do not mess me on a Friday night. That's the one night I got with family. Any other time, sound, right? But I was always, had, I had these stringent rules of, I know you ask a question, but I need to do something to lead on to it. So I was always like, part of the thing of me, as I said before, that I learned different things from negatives and positives was, like, when I wasn't told I was dropped, I was like, I told players to their faces, I was dropped, they were dropped. And I told them why, what they needed to do. Did they like it? No. But I found they were, I got less messages and moaning because I've told them to their face than you do when you don't know. You just hit up on the day. They're pissed off. Because I was always like, and I, went, I, t- I put the teams out on a Wednesday night and go, this, after training, go, this is what it is. If anyone's got a problem, they can message me. And I go, and I had a couple of messages now and again. I go, okay. But have a think about it. If you don't want to play first team, you can go in the combi, but give me, I'll give you 24 hours to think about it while I think. And the next thing you go, I, I usually get, no, no, I'll go on the bench. It's fine. I'll prove you wrong. Like, sound yeah, Go for that. You know, um, when we went up, though, um, it was it was hard. Um, a couple of coaches left. Um, some players left. Didn't you? And I think I think that's where it started for me. Um, no, I wanted the family atmosphere where I was fair on you. I tried, no, I got club shot. The best try to get the best gear, the best balls, best training. It was a hot day. I was, it was a hot day. I'd have ice in their waters for them and stuff. No, um, it was always. No, we had little rules in place, like if, if your boots were dirty, you no, and all the money we got would go behind the bar at the end of the year. And like, if someone got sent off, saving a goal, and they took on the team, we'd all chip in and pay the fine. And no, it was always, I was always trying to be, keep it a family thing. Um, and I probably took it too personally because some players just stopped playing, didn't even, but didn't even message me to say, I'm not playing. You know, some players left the club, didn't even bother telling me they were leaving the club. You know, and it, I was like, Hang on a sec, we've just like rocked this together for four or five years. Now you're not even, you haven't got a decency to tell me that you're not playing or you're, you know, just a message. Go, I'll be disappointed, you know. And then we lost a couple of coaches. I was just like, what is going on here? And I, I'm the most attacking manager I've ever seen. Like, I want to play attacking football. I want to play, for, I want players to express themselves. I want them to enjoy themselves. But I think my first three games, I took like eight defenders starting because that's what I had, you know. And we got beat by Lax in the first game and we got, and I was like, oh God, this is going to be one hell of a season and stuff. You know, when I said, I was, it it got, and then I think we got, we lost like last minute against Ramsey, but we missed a penalty. But like the team, but then I started getting a bit of, thing the team, because like even though the late defenders in there, you were putting a shift in. I was like, I started getting a bit of, you know what, we've only been beat one nil here. We, we could have won that. We missed a penalty. We got a last minute goal. And, um, and then a couple of young lads started coming through. It was Tyler Hughes and then Leo, whatnot. But I was, honest to God, I, because I loved the club so much, 
I made myself sick stressing about it. And I'm talking like bleeding, ulcers, stress. I was, couldn't sleep. I was like drinking. I, honestly, I, because it, you know, when you say you don't get any, you get angry with the people you love the most. It was like that for me. And I was just like, I was making myself, my, my wife was like, oh, you need to stop. Because I was that, I was that ill. And honestly, I was stressed out. I was having like two hours sleep a night. I was, honestly, I was, I was talking gibberish and stuff. I was, I've been a bit of a dickhead as well, you know. And I was just so disappointed in probably in some people and the way it was. And then I bitchy said, on, on God's honest truth, I turned around and went, Car, I said, I'm mean, Shim. I said, Shim, honestly, I'll say now, if it wasn't for Mike Shimon and Louise Shimon and my wife and son, I wouldn't have got through that season. I swear to God, the heat that the amount of work that Louise took off me and Shim was there for me week in, week out. And he's got knack and knees, he was in pain and stuff, but he turned up week in, week out, week in, week out. And uh, but I was, I was. I was like, it was before the Geordie's game, and I was like, I'm not getting a tune out of these. I'm ill. I'm like, literally bleeding from places I don't bleed from. I'm so, and I didn't want to tell the lads that, you know, there was people not turning up, and I was trying to cover it up for people as well. Like, so it didn't look embarrassing on me, and it didn't make them look bad. And so I was like, going, oh, why is the thing you're training, or why isn't he at training? Or I thought he was taking training. I'd be like, oh, something came up in emergency, you know, because I didn't want them to feel like it was falling apart or as well. But, Honestly, mate, I was so, it was so long. And then before the Geordie's match, I said to Carl, I went, mate, I'm not getting a tune out of these. You might need, I think you need to get someone else. I'm, I'm ill. Haynes was begging me to quit because she's she's dealing with this at home. I'm just like, I was in a state. You know, people I relied on, people I helped and people I think, and I was like, then players started, and in between that, it was like, players going, oh, I'm just not fit enough. I'm not playing. I'm like, doesn't matter if you're not fit enough. You know, like, we need your help. And I was just like, they go, no, no. And people start looking after themselves a bit. And I don't care if you know that. I've, I've said it anyway, you know. And I was disappointed in people, you know. And I was angry and I was upset. And that's, you know, because it was my club. I was loving I was like, going, how can this happen? You know, we had, in my head, at the end of that season, the season before, I was like, we're going to go up there. We're actually fuck this league. We're going to go up there. We're going to, we're not going to win it, but we're like, top six. Then after that, build on it, build up, build on it, you know. And it, I was just like, this is a complete opposite of what happened. This is an absolute nightmare. Um, and before the George match, I said, I'm done. After this game, I'm done. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm ill. I, I, I'm not getting a tune out of these. I, 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 and I was genuinely, it wasn't because I was sick. It was because I wanted the club to be there. I was like, I'm not getting anything out of these lads. No, they're not. it's not that we're working hard, but I'm just, there's some, you know, the coaches are gone. The culture wasn't the best because it was me a lot of the time. And then before the match, I, 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 was, I was a bit different before the match. I was like, to speak to the players and go, listen, man, you're the best this and whatever and stuff. I was like, you know, I'd already sort of prepared myself to go. And we played Geordies and I put some of the young lads in. It was James Young, um, Henry Smith, uh, unbelievable little players. I mean, unbelievable little players. And then there was Owen Quayle was still there, and Ryan Kelly and Boothie and Geordie. And we battered Geordies. And we battered them. And we beat them before one. And I was like, maybe I'm getting a tune out of them. And it, that game just turned around. Otherwise, I'd have been done. I was done. I was, I was out completely. I was like, oh, maybe we are getting a thing. Then and a couple of weeks later, we had Corinthians. 
And then Tyler Hughes had turned 16. And, and he's the fastest player I've ever seen at 16. He's ridiculous. But he goes, he beat, he beat Corinthians. Then we started go, then as the young lads started coming in, with all these players like Owen and Dylan, Will Miller, who, who honestly, that lad is a seven every week. He's, a, he's the most reliable player I've ever played with. The amazing Princeton coming in and going. He was pulling out things out of the top corners. Um, Nate was playing out of his skin. Henry, Henry was only 17. Uh, Tyler was 16. James Young was only 17. And there's Booby and Jordan. And we started winning. We spent this massive run. Then Leo turned 16 and he started playing. And then these hungry young, like 16 year olds are coming to the team with the players that were hungry as well, like Owen and that. And we were like, I was like, look at my flying here and stuff. But I was still sick. You know, I, w- I was just like, I'm, I'm sick. I'm think, but I'm, I was getting through it because these lads were like, I loved their endeavor. They were like, every game, boom, boom. There wasn't one game, bar the Peel game, where we probably let ourselves down a bit. Although, um, the officiating that day was not good. Um, Questionable. Questionable as a term, isn't it? No, no, it was embarrassing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to think it. Um, uh, well, we had one player in the same for 15 minutes, so make it what you will. That, that, um, is, that is one thing in men's football, that some referees are to the law, because the letter of the law states that every time the ball goes out of play, the Simbin is paused, which I get No, it wasn't because of that. But it wasn't I, because of that. It, 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 that. He, forgot, he forgot to put his watch on, and then that's the line. He, he forgot to start his watch. So in, in 15 minutes, so we had a down player against one of the best teams, Peel, you know. Um, but by that game, like, we beat Corinthians, we beat Geordies in the Cup, I think we beat them 5-0 or something in the Cup. Um, played Onken in the Cup as well, and that was a no. That was a great game. I think it was three two. Um, you know, we were beating teams. We, we played Royals at, at, and we were, we were two up against Royals as well, and we ended up drawing two all. Um, you know, they got a good young players. They got some great young players and stuff. And uh, there was a questionable decision in that. You know, but as I said, we've got questionable decisions ourselves. You can't use it as an excuse, you know, because we've more likely got three points or a draw, and we shouldn't have got it because of questionable decisions. Um, but um, when you when you're a manager, you think everything's a questionable decision. But we went in this role, and then that cup, I I to this day, I genuinely believe we would have won. We lost to Russian in the semi. But yeah. And then Colin Garrity moved away. He was I've never seen an engine like it in my life. Leo was injured. Tom Kane, I literally four or five of our players that were on fire lost that game. I mean they'll get beat four one. I think we took the lead. Tyler scored and we took the lead. I think it was four one we lost in the end. But the season, although it was great thing off, I was like, I need to stop. I'm, I was in such a bad way. Leo was meant to be moving away as well. Um, I was just, I was just, but I was so ill. I was like, I need to step away. I, I did every. I, I said, I promote. I get promoted. I said, uh, get us our respect back. I said, I get us the juniors going again. We had. An under 18s, under two under 16s, um, under 10s boys, I think it was, uh, girls team. No. So I'd done everything I said I'd do. Everything I said I'd do when I took over, I did. And I did it through COVID and about a year early as well. So I was like, you know what? And then because the team had finished so well, I was like, got Owen, young lads. I was like, such a young, great squad there. There was all these under 16s. You'd won the Brad Campbell Cup as well. You know, coming through. Oh, I was like, it's, 
it's there for years type of thing. So I was like, I've done what I said I was going to do. It's in good hands. You've got a good core now. I'm walking away, basically. And that was it. I, I mean, I honestly, mate, I was ill. My wife was begging me to quit because I was it, some days, you know. And, I, 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 you know, I was let down by people. You know, I've told them people. You know, it sometimes some were shaking hands, some we haven't, some we speak, some we don't. You know, it is what it is. You know, I think, I know, because I wanted a family club and personal, I took it personally as well, you know, but you can't have it both ways, you know. You can't have all the best stuff and take all the bit where you're getting the family atmosphere and, oh, you've got a family. No, it's people have problems and stuff when they came around my house or there's like some, some people have problems. I'm like, never say a word to anyone. And I go, listen, don't train for three weeks, right? You can play on Saturday because I want you to have an outlet. That's your Saturday. If anyone asks, I'm like, but the moment in training, if I turned around and went, they spoke to you about it, something's going on, that's all you need to know. That was left then. And then so anytime I said that, someone knew that something's happening, leave them alone, it's fine, type of thing. Um, you know, it is amateur football, but we, you know, I wasn't telling players, I wasn't going to turn around and tell, oh, you're having a shit time, but you're not going to play football as well. Um, you know, especially, I just don't especially think when you've back. been, especially when you've been through that yourself as well. Like mm. you, you're doing that from a personal experience, aren't you? Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of the like training sessions, for instance, I hate. Bug bear mine, standing there taking shots, does my head in. Like I honestly. I did running and training as a punishment. My players never ran unless it was a punishment. It was it, it was always football, football, football. I'm like, I've got an hour, an hour and a half of them twice a week. Some of them only trade once. All they're getting is football. But I do things like five-a-side and the seven-a-side pitch, and I'll make the pitch bigger. And like, there's one those because I want to tell you pass on football. There was always something. But the ball was always there, standing there taking shots. And Because like, if you're standing there, there's like 20 off years. You take your shot, you get your ball, you stand there for another five. Six minutes, right? If you do that for half an hour, you've wasted twenty-five minutes of a session on someone. What's the point? You know. And to be fair, the lads bought into it, and um, Ryan Kelly used to take people up. Like I would go up to the club at like six in the morning, and a lot of the lads went up and did it. Did fitness, their own personal fitness. But I was like, if you're not fit enough to play, that's your problem. You no, know, you'll be football fit. But if you're not fit enough to do it, you know, I didn't believe in one. I don't believe it. If you want to do one, join an athletics club. You know. It's just that's just how I think. I know I'd rather be football fit than than running fit. So, you know, there was all there was always little things. You know, I always wanted them to have the best gear. We had a club shop. You know, I've got a club shop set up, and um, I wanted to have the best gear. You know, not just have chips after the match. You know, I wanted them to have like sometimes he'd have like lasagna, and I wanted them always have nice meals after the matches and stuff. We had like um, Gaz Logan at uh, Freshly Squeezed. He's we got him to do a man of the match. Thing where you got a voucher for the man in the match, whoever, whoever the home team was, type of thing. No, I was always, I was always trying to get these little things going. And then as soon as the season finished, I was I'd already done. I mean, head already had stuff going on, but I was always ready to go to the next level and stuff. I just don't think I got that back off some people. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. I told them anyway. No, it's nothing. Thing I've got nothing but respect for them for what they did because they they were part of what no history for Eden Mills. No. We won the league, we scored goals, we played some unbelievable football. You know, on the amount of times people tell me, go, that is an unbelievable goal. You know, and I was always no spectacular goal. I love spectacular goals, but I was a team goal guy. Like, if we'd have worked on something and then that came off, or it was a passer move, I love passer moves and goals and stuff, you know. Um, it was that I fulfilled my dream just about bar the cups, but I fulfilled my dream. I did everything I was going to do, um, but I did fall out of love with it. You know, and I became bitter 
afterwards. Um, I wanted to stay away from the club, quite honestly. I was like, I need a break. I, need to, I gave me key and everything. Caught, I was like, no, no. I said, no, I just need a break completely. I just need to completely away from it. I, don't, I wasn't disliking anything at the time. I was just, I was just wanting a break from it. But they're like, oh no, we want you to keep going. So they had a go, kept asking me. So I was like, all right, helping the committee. Um, I wasn't happy about something. You know, I was like, I'd worked hard for five years to build something, and I felt that that was being uh, lost in a way. You know, in my head, in my the way my brain worked was, I built something. I built a culture. I built like, a group of young players. I built a squad that were together. That wanted to play a certain way. That wanted to do football. You know. Whoever took that and the club would just build on top of that. You know, that's how I thought. Maybe I was arrogant for thinking that or stupid or thinking that whoever, that the club would carry that on. Not, I'm not saying they haven't tried to carry I'm trying to put it the right way. I'm not saying they haven't tried to carry it on, but maybe it doesn't suit what they wanted. You know, but I was upset about, you know, some losing some of the young lads and stuff. So I was like, don't want anything to do with it anymore then. So I stepped away from it again. Um, there's rumours going around that like I had a fallout with the club, which is not true. I, I told a few people exactly what I thought about what was going on. Um, it's my club. I love it. You know, um, but it's, uh, it, yeah, I, I did, I felt I, I, I was, wasn't enjoying it and then Leo wasn't enjoying his football as well and then it manifested into a thing. But, um, there's two people in men's football that I watched, what we've already talked about, um, that got my excitement back for football, and that's Brian Callow and Ozzy Moore. Um, honestly, the enthusiasm they've got, I was like, but Ozzy, Ozzy's enthusiasm with, with the young lads and football in general, you know, and he, you know, he's exactly what I'd expect. You know, he puts the arm around them and stuff. You know, me and him speak and stuff, and I and he puts his arm around a player and like, he takes into account that he's got problems and he'll try and help him with those problems. I'm like, he's everything. That I've got. And, and watching them, especially with Leo, Leo had a rough year, you know, he had, he, his knee was messed up. He hadn't moved away, he decided he wasn't moving away. You know, it was, it was, there was loads of stuff going on, you know. And then Ozzy put his arm around him and he just looked after him and like Leo's flying again now, he's had his knee operation. But... The amount of time he takes out and Brian takes out for those things, they just like they just rejuvenated my enthusiasm for football again. I was like, there's still football purists in the world, you know, there's still people that like that I look at and think yourself, you know what, that's what I want to do, type of thing. So I'm hundred percent wanting to get back in now. Like I'm I want a job. I've been offered some jobs, but just talking to people, it wasn't right for me. Um, you know. It's, I don't care what club it is. I don't care what level they are. If you're as a club want to go in the right right way, um, and and do a project on him, I mean, you know, that's that's what it is. But um, one of the clubs said I will come in. I'm not going to name because it it's not fair on the guy. But said, oh, if you come in, we'll sack the manager. I was like, that's disrespectful, isn't it? So, um, but you know. I've got me enthusiasm back for now. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at home, I'm writing down ideas and how I want to play and you know, new things, all these things I can do and stuff. So I've got a couple of people that want to be involved if I take over a team. So yeah, I, I, did, I did fall completely out of love with it. And I'm probably overly emotional. It's probably the 
term to do it. But it was the, it was a club I loved, you know, and I'd worked hard. I made myself sick, you know, building something. I just didn't feel like that certain thing, certain aspects were being done right. But then I'm not at the club now. You know, who is it? Who am I to say that it should be done a certain way? You know, well, I don't it, manage it? anymore. It's it's not no, your. So, it's, at the end of the day, now it's it's not your club anymore, and you you're free to move on and, and do what you want to do in football going forward, wherever that may be. Um, yeah, yeah, so, well, yeah. So, Steve, that is your footballing days, okay? So yeah. we've gone through your playing days, your managing days, okay? So we'll move on now to the next part of the podcast. And this is a question that always intrigues me, and I, I the, the answers always get me going. Um, yeah. At the moment, what is the best thing about Manx football for you? Oh, that's a hard one. It's a bit of a, it is a steep for various reasons. Um, oh god, it's difficult. It's it's a difficult question to ask anyone. What? I mean, every every person. I, 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 I wouldn't. Say, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I think there's. I wouldn't say there's one particular thing, but there's elements of it. I'm like that give me hope that it can still. You know, like I watch Uncle, obviously Leo's at Uncle now, and I watch them play, and I'm like, it's such a group of young lads, you know, some great, great young players there, and I'm like, and then the season as a Mozzie has, I'm like, all oh, of this, you know, that I, I enjoy that type of thing. I think it's more, I don't think there's anything outstanding in the men's football at the moment where you can go, that's absolutely amazing as a whole. Um, I think there's elements of it that, if brought together correctly, would make an outstanding thing in men's football. It's probably the best way. That's, there's no, I, 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 there's no solid answer. That's that's. You think there's there's little bits of everything that can be put together to make it better as, as a. Yeah, yeah, player. I think there is. I'm, and I mean, that's from my perspective, though. That's from my perspective on how I think football should be played and what I think how I think to be done. And I, I, I am opinionated and stuff, but you know, I'm opinionated on. It's, it's never for my benefit. I always want what's best for the collective, rather than. Uh, Thing. I mean, yeah. to be no, honest, that, yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, yeah. So, I think, I think then, um, on the flip side of that, what I'll ask is, is yeah. what do you think at the moment in Manx football is not so great? If you could pick one thing out of Manx football at the moment that you think could be massively improved, what would that one be? Right, I think this will go on the pages question as well because it will then pin to it. To be honest, um, about referees and stuff. Um, the community, the disconnect between referees, players, and managers, and everything else. Um, I think it's a problem. I think it's a systemic problem. I think that both sides are arrogant in a way. Um, you know, referee. You know, we keep getting told, "Oh, without the game, without referees, there's no game." Yeah, I get that, hundred percent. But I'm also, uh, if you're gonna do it, do it properly. You know, but then players can be dickheads. Referees can be dickheads. Everyone's been dickhead, but it's become so tribal between both sides that nothing's going to change at the moment. And it's it is ruining football. You can you can blame referees, and sometimes it is referees' fault. But then you know you got to look at yourself respectively. There's some knobheads on the other man in football giving refs absolute dogs abuse and stuff. You know, and it shouldn't be. But then from the flip side, when you come out the abuse side thing, you know, so you go like this abuse. And I spoke to a ref. I'm not going to say who it was, but I spoke to a ref. I was like, 
why does somebody he goes oh tolerance levels i was like you can't have tolerance levels for certain things so me personally if you want to clear up abuse right then refs as a whole as a group any player get, swears at a ref no matter who it is red car straight away right three or four games in i guarantee the management players aren't swearing at refs guarantee because they're going to get banned they're going to cost them money they're going to lose out right that's what they do but then that comes as a refs all as a whole doing it together but then you got some refs oh we didn't put that card in this week or you know that's but you know the players train twice a week a lot of the time they train twice a week they turn up an hour before a match they train really hard but then you get referees come turn up like five minutes before the match some referees aren't even checking boots is that a thing you're meant to do i mean i, I, I believe it's being advised that you should be there about an hour before a match as a referee. Um, I just, I think there's such a disconnect between them all, but I think it's so tri- it's become so tribal now, us and them, that it's co- it is actually causing a fracture in football because you can't appeal anything. You can't say anything about the referees because of the, of the leave. And like so, no, so, there's a line between constructive criticism and abuse and some players do abuse, but I've I've seen played against a team and the players players telling the referee to f off and this that, and the other and da, 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 nothing happened. Then next week I've had a player sent off for swearing at himself for missing a shot. I'm like, how can you know? Where's the? Where's the I don't think you can have a talk. I think in order to start it, the referees have to come together and go. Right, anyone swears at us, it's straight red because that will stop. Abuse of refs straight away, but if, if you've got tolerance levels, and you're going, oh, I don't really care. You know, players are going to keep doing it, then aren't they? You know, certain teams are going to do it. Whereas you need to, the referees need to clamp down and go, no, that's it. We've had enough now, but this is what we're going to do. And okay. then the players and man, the players and management will go, right, shut your mouth. You're going to get another three match ban. You know, that will stop that. It, and it, it will stop that. Yo, clubs clubs are paying out. I'm not sure what it is now. Thirty or is it thirty quid or something? I think it's for 30, a ref. Uh, Thirty-five is it for a referee now? I know, and and for 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 self-sufficient clubs, that's that can be a lot of money, you know. Um, and this is not to say that you know I've, I've said some things that you no know, refs, you no know, think I I don't think there's certain aspects of the game they can't have tolerance levels for. They can't. But then the ref, but then players have to go stop acting like knobheads towards refs, you know. But there's got to be respect. But there's not. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter who you are. Players don't like certain refs and certain refs don't like certain teams and that's a fact. It's not nonsense, it's a fact. You know, it's going to happen. And on a small thing, you have to deal with it. Like, we're going to have to, you have to put up with it because it is what it is. Because they're right, without refs, you ain't getting a game of football. It's as simple as that. But I think the players need to stop, but then the referees as a whole need to clamp down as well on certain aspects as a group to go dip this 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 this, this isn't tolerable we will not accept it we'll ban players and then thing but it, I just think it's it becomes so tribal now and it's you know it's easy to blame the ref when you lose you know but how many chances did you miss you know uh, but a ref a ref makes one bad decision that costs you a goal you're going oh he's cost us a goal you know this and you're ridiculous we lost because of him blah, 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 blah. but then you're like yeah but you missed five chances no, you could have put the game to bed before you may even scored. You know, you can't, you've got to look at it both ways. You can't blame the ref for every single thing that happens in the world. It's, it's, it, or in your game. You've got to do, but I, that's, 
that is the biggest issue for me in men's football is the disconnect between officials. I think I know an official that has said he's given up not just to the players, but because of the referees as well, the other referees as well. You know, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not there. And don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't dare do the job. I, I know it. I am at a tolerance levels for it. I haven't got thing. There's some great refs in there. Some of them we can speak to, some of them we can't. I get refs, manage, like, personality is going to dictate that referees or manage a game a certain way. So some of them, you can go up and speak to them. They're fine. Some of them, you go, don't, that's it. That's the decision. End of story. Fine. But there's certain aspects of that, as I said, with, like, if you want, if you want respect, they've got to clamp down on it as well. You can't have four refs clamping down on it and five not. You can't have one player getting sent off for doing something and the next week another player swears at a ref but nothing happens. You know, it's just it's just a massive I don't know I, I, I don't even know how to fix it, if I'm honest. But I think it is a massive, massive issue that is a massive problem within Manx football. Yeah. It's just that, it's hard you know it, it, it does segue into, you know, we mentioned it before. It segues into Anthony Page's question, what he sent us. And he sent it to both of us. He's not just sent it to you. Yeah. And he basically says, yeah. what would you do to encourage more people to take up refereeing? And what would you do both do to keep current refs refing? I'll go first on this one because I've got a massive bug there with the age okay. of Masters football at 35. You look at the lads, yeah. the better older referees, okay? Yeah. They quit playing football at 35 between 35 and 40, okay? Yeah. And they wanted to stay involved with the game. So what they'd done to stay involved with the game was take up refereeing. Now, yeah. if you're 35 to 40, you don't have to take up refereeing because you don't have to train at all and you can play on a Sunday and go and do whatever you want to do. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, to be fair, usually when I, mean, I play Masters, Nesco refereed every single game. You know, he likes, he likes to get, get his money in. But um, I get what you're saying. Um, but, and I get what you're saying about Masters. I think the, the big, there's a bigger issue with Masters football rather than that, quite honestly. Um, that's another story. But I, I don't think we're in a position where we can tell people that they should ref or they shouldn't ref and stuff. I mean, Masters, I mean at what age do you say then you know it's oh, too old. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I, I get I get what you're saying, but why aren't it, why I think, can't I use think... the ju- can't use the ju- can't use the junior refs, not the ones that are training the junior football. Can't they do masters football and have have someone there with them or? I mean, it's hard. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do the job. I wouldn't do the job. I'm, 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 obviously, I'm, if I if I was refing against me, I'd be sending me off for left right centre. I'm, I'm to be fair. I don't go abusive, but I. I I will question stuff. Um, but I don't think we're in a position where we can say, oh, you shouldn't. No, mass, I don't enjoy Masters personally. I've I, I got problems which I've gone on about many a times. But um, I don't think we can be in a position where you can just go, if you feel like you can enjoy your football, no. A lot of lads took football that serious all the time. So let's say, say the George lads, for instance, right? They train three times a week. They were winning and winning and they were relentless for years and years. That's an outlet for them. You know, we could say they, they could ref or is that... I get what you're saying, but I I don't... I think there's a thing where we can't really dictate. Plus, is the Masters a tick box for the FA to get some money? I don't know if it is. You know, um, 
I, not, I don't I'm, know the ins and outs of it. I think I think I not what I'm saying is is I'm not dictating that's that's what you have to do when you finish playing football is take up refereeing. But what I'm thinking is yeah, yeah. My my more way of thinking of this one is is just up the age even by five years to forty. And then if people do retire at thirty five or between thirty five and forty from playing, to keep involved in the game then the opportunity they've got at that time is to referee. And not play vets until they're 40. So it'll keep them active on a Saturday. It'll keep them involved in the game. And then yeah, yeah. when they hit 40, if they want to sack refereeing off after three or four years, that's their choice. But they've given back to the game that they've loved. And then they've gone and they've yeah. gone and back and played it again. That that's my way of looking at it. Yeah, I I I, I get your perspective and you know, but are are people um not getting into football because of the disconnect. Oh, how Paige said, "Oh, how do you get ref uh, people to become refs, and how do you sustain refs?" And stuff? But I've been told by a ref that or an ex-ref they're not refereeing anymore, not just because of the players, because of the refs. So there's a systemic problem between. It's not just the refs; it's the players as well. It's both sides that cause issues within the refs. So if there's a disconnect at the moment, which is talked about all the time. We've all sat behind after a match or we've all watched the games and gone, that's ridiculous or whatever. Um, if there's such a disconnect at the moment, why would you want to be involved in that? Would you really be involved in something you don't think is being run well or not run well, but like, is, isn't is popular? You don't want to be involved in that. You can say it, but you go, uh, oh, you know, I'm going to try and make a difference. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you could make a difference. But I think both sides have got, they've got to, do something to make bring that connection back. There was always when I was younger. There was a, I don't remember having a problem with refs. I'd argue with them, you know, but I also took into account that you know they've got, you know, they got one look at it. It's quick. It's hundred miles an hour, whatever, you know. But I, I, I just it's such a problem, and I, it is it is a massive problem in the game. I mean, I've got I might argue with refs, but I've got respect for them to do it because I wouldn't do it. I, you know, I wouldn't do it, but then, you know, do refs know what it's like to when you 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 spend all week organising your training sessions? Because when you do, you you being a manager, you know that you don't just it's not just doing two training sessions in a game. That's it. It's all the stuff around it as well. There's hours and hours and hours behind it. You no, know, do they they don't do that? A lot of them, have any of them managed? Have any of them? Some of them, I some of them, some of them never played. You know, that's not to say you don't understand the game. But then, do you understand in the heat of the moment? Ah, I know what that manager's going through. Ah, oh, I know what that player's going through. You know, there's nothing we can do about that in a way because if you haven't played, you haven't played. But you know, I don't think it's taking into account. You might, you know, especially when I, I had, a, I loved with Milton. I, I loved it. You no, know, I loved it every moment of that, and I protect them lads under any circumstances. Now, I thought they were hard done by. I'm, I'm protecting these boys. These are go. These are my boys. This is a, this is this is it. You know, and I would have a go at refs, but like, I never go to the point where I'm abusive. And I think that's also a problem. There's a level of abusive. I honestly, I, I think the connection between two has to be rebuilt before you can start talking about getting new refs in. And it's, it's how do you do that? Yeah, how do you do that? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're never going to be able to get players and, and refs around the table. I think just, just the way the, the FA is set up, 
I and think it, it, you know you've got your council representatives, but there's a lot of clubs that council representatives speak to committees and not players directly and things like that. It's it's one of them where you probably need a representative or a couple of representatives from each team pre-season or something to go down, get with the referees who are down for a session doing fitness or if they're out, you know, if they're doing like a, a revision session on new laws, because every year there's new yeah. laws brought out. Um, and bring yeah, them yeah, down. Yeah. Bring and, them and, out and, 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 and in all fairness on the refs, the amount of laws they got to work out, you know, it used to be handball was handball, offside was offside. Now they'll go, they've got, so you got one ref, he's got to go, was he offside? Was he interfering with play? Did it affect? No, they got about five things that I went through their brains before they make the decision. And they've got themselves with no VAR. Thank God there's no VAR. But, you know, they've got, they've got, and we have to take that into account as well. They are going to make mistakes. They're, and they will make mistakes, you know. And usually with the ref, if they come and explain something to me, go, listen, I couldn't see it because the player crossed my path. And I go, oh. no, I'm disappointed, but I go, all right, fair enough. I'd be disappointed. I go, oh, and walk off. But I, I wouldn't, but I knew. Um, it's, you know, it's, I don't know how it can be fixed. Um, is it irreparable? I don't know. Um, is it, that's my biggest one I don't know how I don't know how you can how you can fix no. it but I think in order to start stop the abuse side of it then the refs need as a as a group need to go anyone swearing at a ref is red card straight away that's that's, that's fair end story but you know and I think I think that stop you need they need to, we, people need to stop abusing but they're not but then if you've got refs that are just like oh I've got a tolerance level you can't have a tolerance level because if you've got a tolerance level, that everyone's getting screwed different. because everyone's he hasn't different. got a tolerance. Yeah, yeah. But I can get tolerance levels for like, say for instance, as like, oh, I want the game to, you no, know, if people find it tackles, I'm happy with that. That's fine. You know, that that type of thing, you know, other ones will go, no, I don't, I like this. Beforehand, you go, listen, any any heavy tackles, I'll call free kick or you might go, I'm going to let the game go. If you're both pulling at each other, if one of you wins, that's tough. You just get on with the game, you know. But then swearing at a ref, that's not playing football. That's not, you know, thing. that's just you being a dickhead. <laughs> no, that, that's... And in order for that to stop, the refs are the ones... And don't get me wrong, people should in their right mind just go, I'm not, I shouldn't do that. But refs are going to have to clamp down with red cards for, the, for swearing... For you know, uh, or abuse, uh, sorry, abusing a ref, you know, that's, that's, that's how it's going to have to. Uh, that's get how it's going to happen. Get, get rid of the sim. If you get rid of that. You get rid of that. Yeah, to, to I think this, uh, and I've said this openly. The sim bin is a weak excuse for refs to have the balls to send people yellow cards and send them off. Quite honestly, I think it's just an excuse, and it, and yeah, it adds another layer and another timer for the watch for the refs to for amateur refs. They haven't got. Fourth officials and nines and all that type of stuff. So then you not only got that, then another person goes to the sim bin. Well, that happens. They got to keep that one on timer. They got another one. Oh, that's three people going to say, oh, three different times in the go. Was that ball? Were they interfering with play? Don't go that. that it, my head will be boggled. My head's boggled just saying that. Yeah. But, no, no, I get that. I get you know, that, mate. The amount of rules. That I, to, is it a case of the the actual referees, the professional referees, and non-professional referees? Have a different layer of what is 
know, they haven't got as many rules as the Premier League referees, for instance, or the semi-professional referees. It's just like handballs, handball. No, make it easier. Make it easier for the refs over here and in other amateur things that go. These are the rules. You know, we haven't got. They haven't got VAR. They haven't got things. They'll make it. Make it easier. Go. Okay, handballs, handball. If it hits your hand, I'm giving a penalty no matter what. Right? Or um, if you go studs up, I'm sending you off. You know, and that that's just not a red card no matter what. You know, and ev- all the teams are told this at the start of the season. You know, no, no argument then, have you? You can argue you go over the ball, you go, listen, if your foot's up here, it's a red card. You were told this at the start of the season. You know, maybe the, I don't know if they, if they, they can, but the ref laws say they can um, thin down near the rules. I, I, and Honestly, I, I, there's obviously the 17 IFAB laws, which are applied to like all um, FIFA nations. I think it's either UEFA or FIFA nations. I can't remember exactly which one it is. Um, but the 17 laws of the game, but within them 17 laws of the game, there's 17 laws under each law by the looks. Do you know, like I, I've, I've done it. I'm a qualified yeah, yeah. referee. I, I've been there. I've done it. I've, I've got the I've got the qualification. I've done it for three quarters of a season and got injured. Um, and you know what? I loved it because because I'd been involved in the game, I knew the people and I I applied the laws of the game correctly to the to the game, I felt. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't I didn't, you know. I wasn't the fittest person in the world. I wasn't always keeping up with play, but I'd always say to the lads before a game, I'd get the captains in and just go, look, lads, I'm on my own today. If there's a close offside and I miss it, I miss it. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm on my own. I'm not going to see everything. You know, if someone's pulled the shirt and I'm facing the other way because the ball's up there, what do you expect me to do? You know, I've not got eyes in the back of my head. And I think a lot of the older referees and referees that are out there at the moment do that. But there's some of the younger lads that, I don't know if they've just not got confidence to speak to people or or things like that, but that's where it goes for me. And yeah, to get yeah. people to stay into the game of refereeing and not leave it, it's I don't think you need to put a monetary value on that. That's that's the worst thing you can do. If you start monetizing, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. You start you start going fifty quid and oh do you fifty quid a game and stuff. I think that, that people do it for the wrong reason. Yeah, they do it about fifty quid for, for walking around for an hour and a half. Yeah, fine, it's better than that. That's fine that I'll do that. But, exactly. Um, but I, I, I think in order again, there's got to be a start place. And my personal opinion is the start place should be if you're aggressive or you're abusive towards the ref, it's a red card straight away. Because I'm telling you, after three games, you're done. I used to fire my players. I used to go if you get simbing for abusing the ref or you get yellow card for abusing the ref, you get fined. I was like, I don't want you getting simbing because if you simbin, you're screwing your team over. If it's a mistime tackle or whatever, or I think the if I think the rest just got a bit overboard, then fine, yeah. But as a rule, I used to go, you're you getting, you know, if you get sent off for being a dickhead, you're you're getting fined. That's what I used to do. That's what I used to do. But I, I think in order to, to it's got to start somewhere, and don't you want to stop abusing refs? Yeah, yeah. There's no reason for it. There's a difference between arguing, and I mean, I think we've all seen it on things like. You're not allowed to be passionate on the sidelines anymore in Premier League football. You can't, you know, you're getting bookings for waving your hands in the air or whatever. This I mean, is an awesome man talking here, by the way. Mikel Arteta is famous. No, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah. But no, but I, I, I'm like, with, with that for oh, that's a different story, you know. Pep's shushing fans, but that's not a yellow card. But anyway, uh, we, won't, we uh, won't start you on that, Steve, because we can't stay no, here all night. No, I'll be on like that. Um, I, uh, it's, I, you've got to understand 
that for some people, they work all week, you know, they pay the bills, they can't afford to go out or buy nice clothes, and this is all they've got. This this is all players have got and man got. This is their release. You no, know, I said for me when I was a kid, this was my release. This was my 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 freedom from hating being at home and not getting beaten up by my dad or not going to school and getting beaten up. You know, it was my great time for for two hours of a week. I was, on a Saturday, I was like, or Sunday, I was like, oh, it was amazing. I was just I could just be enjoying football and have no worries in the world. Um, and some people were really passionate about it. You know, I think there's got I, I, there's a I get refs. I mean, you must be get you must get pissed off when there's people nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging and na- going on at you. Eventually, you, go, you know what? I've had enough. There's going to be someone. I can I, I can 100 get it and stuff. But I think there's got there's got to be a line between like I got boots once for putting my hands on my head. You know, I'm like. How can you get people putting your hands in your head? You made a decision. Right. I, 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 I literally just I didn't go, you fuck, I didn't swear. I, didn't, I just went, put my hands in my head in the shop. And he went, you can't do that. I boot me. I went, what? What for? You can't boot me for putting my hands in my head. But I got boot for putting my hands in my head. I got, you know, I, I got booked once for clapping. You know when one of them challenges goes in, but it's hmm. absolutely perfect. Makes yeah. that lovely, sweet noise. And, yeah, the oh, yeah, goes, and the ball goes off somewhere else, right? Clean yeah. as a whistle. Play carries on, right? I clapped, you know, like to say, well done, that was a great tackle, carry on. Yeah. Clapped and done that. Referee thought I was doing it sarcastically. I was like, he's on my own team, mate. I said, yeah, I'm yeah. on the sideline here. He's playing for our team and I'm clapping because he's done a good... And he went, no, no, that's sarcasm. That, that's dissent. And give me a yellow card. And I was like... Yeah. everyone around me was laughing at me. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, but there's, it's a passionate game. You know, it, this isn't a job. You know, it's not a job. You don't do it to pay the bills. You do it because you love it, you know, and you're passionate about it. And some players aren't passionate about it. I know I've played with players that are like, we've lost. And they're like, oh, he's going out tonight. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face. You don't show up. Like, you know, we've just lost a game. And you're all like banging on about it. Oh. And, and people play football for different reasons. But criticising or booting play at people for being passionate, not abusive, but passionate, I, I just think... You know, it's a passionate game. You know, and I bet you some refs watch football and they're effing and blind at the screen when things are going wrong. You know, it's it's it is a hard one. But my personal thing that's is, I think, I think I think that's one. I, I I I one of the I have got another thing as well. It'll be quick. I just teams just creating teams and junior level for the sake of creating teams. It's, it's an absolute. But I, personal opinion is you find a good coach who wants to do a philosophy and do things the right way, and then you build a team under that, right? But a lot of it is, and I don't, it's not, I don't want to knock people that give up their time to because it it is a hard job. You get up Sunday mornings, you go all over the island, and blah blah blah. It is a hard job, but there's a lot of clubs that have just like built. Oh, we're just doing this, we're just doing this, we're just doing this. And it's like. The, I I coached the under sixteens. It was under sixteens a few years ago against a team. I'm not gonna say the team. And the ball went out for throw, and he he said something like, "He started coming out rugby." I was like, "He goes, oh, I don't know." And I, whatever he said, I can't remember what he said. And I went, "Do you know what you do?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't understand football." I'm like, 
why would you put someone that does not understand football in charge of a group of kids that were 14 or 15, by the way, that don't understand football? How are they being coached? No, what I'm like, I, it, it, it's hard because, you know, you do want to create teams and stuff like that. And I just think sometimes, you know, could players, you know, as you said, with players who left, could players without the club who know football help out these people? You know, we were quite good. We had Shane Riley, he was an unbelievable junior coach. You know, Ryan Kelly, uh, you know, he was an unbelievable coach. Um, Charlotte Gatt, unbelievable coach for the girls and stuff. You know, I, I was helping out myself. I'm not saying I'm an unbelievable coach, but I was helping out myself, you know. And we always had it that it was a quality coach and the team was built underneath. You know, Jordan Crawley, he was doing his job. He was brilliant. He was brilliant, he was. You know, and if we talk about things, if they, but actually, I know it's a babbling on here a bit, but there's one point in football that I will always, of all the things I did at Mills, right, and I lived the dream of that, there's, I'm not going to name the player because I don't want to, like, people to go that thing, but there was a young lad that came to us, and I always said to them, I said, I don't care how good they are, if they want to join us and they want to be coached, you coach them to the best of their ability, you treat them exactly like everyone else, and no, there's no picking on them or this is crap or this, encourage the good players to help the other players, and, we got, I got, we got a message saying, oh, my son wants to come and see what it's like. He'd been at a club and he just wasn't happy. Like, he was falling out of love with football and his dad was like, he's falling out of love with football. He's just like, just that's it. I was like, this is terrible. How many kids fall out of love with football? How is this possible? So, so he told me some stuff that happened. I was like, well, it's not on. So anyway, he started playing this game and one of our lads said, said something to him like, oh, what are you that for? So I pulled the lad over and went, listen, He's not. Is he confident? He's like, no. I was like, so if he's not confident, what's going to happen? You shout at him. He goes, it'll get worse. I said, so what should you do? He goes, oh, oh, I'll make him more confident. I was like, yeah, yeah. And everything he did after that, he's like, yeah, come on. And he said the lad's name. Like, yeah, come on. Oh, bloody, it's moving out. Honestly, I spoke to his dad and his mum, and that kid was at every training session every week. I swear to God, he was. He, what, what, was he a top five footballer? No, but he was there and he was there every, and he loved it, honestly. And his mum and dad said to me once that it changed that that whole thing, the fact that like we just took him in and we looked after him and it wasn't matter what happened and stuff. I was like, that he goes, it just cha- it, it made him so happy and stuff and it made him happy in himself and he, you know, he became out of himself. And, and that was all through football. That one thing that the fact that people were taking time out to do stuff, and I've said it to the dad, and I was like, it's the greatest of all the stuff happening in football. That's the greatest thing out of it. That one kid came out of his shell, fell in love with football again, enjoyed himself, became you know more confident outside and in school and stuff. I'm like, that's just the greatest thing here. I, I loved it, you know. But that's my thing with the, the dad coaches. I don't want because you know I know it's hard because you know. There's probably more kids than there's coaches. There is more kids than coaches. You have to do it and stuff. But I don't know. Maybe players should be helping out these coaches and stuff. Even if it's once every you have turns or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a thing. But yeah, well, to start babbling then. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right, mate. It's all right. That's what we're here for. We're not here to to just have the fucking normal conversation. This is yeah. It's man football. We we want to be as it says upfront and unfiltered. You know what I mean? But we are we are getting on for time. So what I'm going to yeah, do yeah. is I'm going to move on now. Okay, 
And this is to the feature everyone loves in Manx football. One that you told me five minutes after I asked you if you wanted to come on this podcast, you'd sorted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's your select seven. Okay. So this yeah. is Steve Fox's ultimate seven aside Manx football team. Okay. Just to clear it yeah. up for anyone that's never listened, the rules are simple. Okay. You're allowed a goalkeeper. That's either currently playing or has retired. Okay. You're allowed three players that have retired already so they no longer play Manx football and you're allowed three players that have that are currently still playing Manx football and then I want you to give me a manager of your team as well so yeah. we'll start off in goal okay yeah who's in goal for you Duna Christian Calamari what a player he was back in the day I'll I tell you what I, I there was about three seasons in a row where Mills could have got relegated and if it wasn't for him he, he would have been honestly. He was getting the team ten points a season. That's minimum, honestly. And he was, and he has that thing that you do, you do um, that not a lot of goalkeepers do. He stops problems from happening because he talks so much. So he doesn't have to make a save. He organises defenders. He say where people are. But his shot stopping, um, absolutely. I've, I've I've never seen anyone save a match as much as him. And by the way, I could have I could pick any people in football. I'm not going to the rest of it yet, but I could have this seven is the only people that have because you know people there's the random people, normal people you could say, but I pick people that have either coached or managed. And, and that's what we want. It, it's your seven aside team. It's not yeah, yeah. the ultimate seven aside team from Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's your one. Yeah. So, but, okay. but as a keeper, as a keeper, he's unbelievable. Oh. I'm ridiculous. Honestly, and I don't. I think if it wasn't for injury, he probably would have played a bit longer as well because he got injured, didn't he? Was it? His... He, he busted his ankle. He came back yeah. and stuff. You know, well, he was never the he, same, he, was he? No, I am. I wouldn't say. I don't think he could kick as well, but shot stopping. He 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 played a couple of uh, he played a couple of games for me when I first took over, and he and he hadn't played about God knows how long. And I was just like, that's ridiculous. How's he doing? He, he was just so natural. Honestly, he's so good. I don't think he probably got. As many island caps and stuff as and whatnot as he shut off. Didn't get the recognition personally. he quite deserved for you. No, I mean, to be fair, there were so many good goalkeepers around and stuff. There was Wadey and there was there was loads. There was a ridiculous amount of good goalkeepers around. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, I've I've never seen a goalkeeper get that many points in one season. Ridiculous. Yeah. So who's your first current player still playing? Owen Quayle. Owen Quayle. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I seen him play for Braden, uh, uh, Pulley, and I was like, every time I seen him play, I was like, he's feisty, he's in that, but like, I was like, he's going to take he take us to the next level. And I think Mikey Collins relate, um, is related to him or something. So I was like, he goes, oh, I know him, I know him. So we were messaging and messaging. And as I said, I got, the respect I got from the guys, he goes, if, if Pulley all right, if he get a team together, I'm staying with them. I was like, you know, I respected that so much. But I'd say he's... I don't think he's rated high enough. I've, I've seen him week in, week out. His pace, he can bring the ball out from the back. He reads the game so well. Like, he knows when to leave his man, you know, and then no ball's getting played over the top, over the fullback. And he knows when to leave a centre-back and cover the fullback. You know, I, 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 honestly, I've got nothing but praise for the lads. I think no, he's... And, and that's fair enough. I think, was it, when, it was Union Mills last year obviously had that great run, didn't they, in the Premier League? And I think he was yeah. he was pushing team of the week most weeks. You know, he was, his yeah. name or his name was mentioned in the paper 
pretty much every week that he, he yeah. could have been in it. And I, I think that just shows that even in a team that were, you know, probably like I, I think it's fair to say last season were probably punching a bit above their weight, but doing it consistently. Yeah, maybe. I think them and St. John's last season were probably the teams that shocked shocked the league a little bit where, where they finished and, and what they done. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or at least how they started, because they both started very well up to Christmas, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. And and they both done that very well. So I think if if you're getting mentioned in that team or in that paper every week, you're doing something yeah. right, aren't you? So yeah, honestly, gonna, honestly, class. Yeah. Who's going to be your next player that's not playing anymore? Big Mike Shimon. He was an absolute. I, I, he. I've never seen anyone tackle as hard in my life. I was he just going to say, how are you getting? Like, how's anyone scoring past this team here? <laughs> Honestly, he, he was a ball-playing defender before a ball-playing defender just as... Honestly, I, I remember he used to be playing with him and he'd be like, have you up top or whatever on the wing? And he'd be getting 60-yard passes and just dropping them over the, into the corners and stuff every time. But he was hard as nails. I, I, I've... <laughs> some of the tackles should be out, out, outlawed these days, but he was strong in the air. He was, actually, he was pacey. I mean, he was he was a phys- physical specimen. He was honestly he was so strong. He had anger issues, still does a bit, but I love him. Um, but he honestly he was a ball playing centre back before ball playing centre backs really the thing. He was pretty. If it wasn't for back and knee injuries, I think he'd have been Ireland regular easy. He was he was un- unbelievable. You no, know, to play with him, you watch you'd watch him tackle sometimes, and you'd shudder. For the person, you're like, oh my god, that's going to hurt. You actually feel sorry for the opposition. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, one of like You can feel it as soon as you hear the sound. Yeah, it runs through your bones. You feel it running through your bones. Like, oh my god, that's. Ugh. But yeah, big shame. Honestly, he was a colossus. So, who is your next current player? Jordan Crawley. Fair enough. Honestly, I thought Steve Quine had the best first touch. I've ever seen life, but Jordan Crawley, his left foot, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I swear, it's t- but his touch is close control. There's like from the season we won the league, he had probably the worst preseason I've ever seen in my life. Like he missed everything, he missed everything. And I said to him, I was like, mate, you suck. But I, I could see he was always in the right positions, he was always picking players in the play, he was doing everything right, the ball just wasn't going to the back of the net. I said to him, I was like, you starting, don't you about it. You're doing everything right. And in the first game, something like five goals, and he's banged them time all season. Him and Boover were just like, goal, goal, goal. Yeah. He's an, he's a, honestly, he's a top lad, but his technical ability is ridiculous. Honestly, his, his Cruyff turns, his little megs, he, he, honestly, his intricacies are, this, his, foot, his footwork's so tight. I'm, I'm, it's the best left foot I've ever seen. I, and I'm, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. He's got some of the goals he scored this season we won the league. I was like, I what's he just done that? It just I became was, normal. Yeah, I watched him earlier this season and I think he, he's playing a bit deeper now. I think he was he's he's playing he's more. In a 10, yeah. Yeah. Which which, a 10, I, which I I genuinely honestly his football IQ is ridiculous. I think he'll end up being a sitting midfielder long term. He's up less of great pace, but like his passes and his picking, his reading of the play, and he understands he, honestly it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, when when he was playing air, um, 
they, they lost the game, but he played, I think he played more of a six, to be honest with you. And he just, he sort of, but he was the outlet for, for Mills. It was just yeah. unfortunate that Air United were good at the back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. He was picking yeah. the right passes. It was just when they, they were ending up. The and then, yeah, Air were coming, you know, you're talking the likes of Nick Hurt and people like that and, and Johnny Shields playing centre-back. It would be, yeah, it would be in there. You know, the ball was landing at players' feet, but then their next touch, it was already being read what their next step was doing. And it, I thought he was very good there. So that's that's a, a brilliant choice. So who's your next retired player? You're going to absolutely hate this. John Nash. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> Mate, wait, for, give me five minutes. Five minutes to just think, uh, how good was he? Well, you know... I'm not going to say anything, right? Because I know we, we both know he'll be around Madonna's house next week. And I don't think he listens to podcasts. I don't even know. I, don't, I think he still uses a walkman, so I don't even know, think he knows what a podcast is. Well, he's got a driving license now, mate. He's moved on in the world, you know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's still at home. Yeah. He's still, he's still, he is, yeah, he's still, he's still out there, to be fair. But, but honest, honestly, that, that I don't, unless you play them and he, he finished so early. Unless you play with him, you'll never know how oh, are the foot. John go up front today. Okay, Patrick. John at the back. Yeah, I won the show. Yeah, midfield. All right, sound. Yeah, left back. Yeah, whatever. Uh, honestly, football IQ out of this world. Both feet. Uh, I, 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 I've never. He, he, he used to do a thing for about, there's about four seasons in a row where he didn't play. Then we were sure he'd have to play one game. Just turns up. Guess he was the best player on the pitch. Oh. 100%. After, like after, after having about 50, 50 rollies and you know, and the thing, he just walks out, rolling in his mouth, socks around his ankles. That's it. Honestly, yeah. I, I was there, mate. You know, I, like when I was growing up on a Saturday, if I was going out and about, or my dad would take me out anywhere, we'd always go up to Union Mills for, for that reason, really. You know, the family were up mm. there and yeah. and we, we'd pop up. And I, I, I seen John play, I was younger back then, but he, you know, I can't take anything away from him. He, he was a good footballer back in the day. A good, you know, honestly, he was meant, honestly, it annoyed the shit out of me. I'd be training all the time, he'd just rock up like, well, once a year. Oh, here we are, best player. Yeah. So, but, who's your final current player? Booty. Luke Booth. Luke Booth. Right. So, certain individuals in our man were telling me that Booty can't finish and he's not that good and stuff. He was a goal scorer last season. Well, yeah, he won the Golden Boot. I was sat with him at the FA Awards. I'm telling you, you'll never find a harder working forward ever than him. I, I, uh, and I, I've never had as much faith as I did in him and Jordan. Well, as I did them two, do a slight thing, but Boozy, there's people going, oh, he's not very good. He can't finish. He can't be there, there, there. I'm like, I knew what that kid could do. I knew. And when I first took over Mills, I think he. And he met, I think he met himself. He had a bit of a comp. Like, I'm the big dog bollocks or something. Yeah. No, I'm the I'm King Dingling around here. And he left. He went to Mary's. But then he came back and he came back a different player. Mary's obviously played a higher caliber player. You know, like Sir Al Harrison, unbelievable player, who was millimeters away from being in the team. But I decided to pick people I'd worked, played with and coached. But uh, 
he came back and then I think he realised that what I was implementing at the time, he's like, hang on a second, I get to play exciting attacking football and enjoy it. All I have to do is work hard. And he works hard every session. Every uh, You watch a game and watch him. He, the amount of ones he makes, but then the amount of times he's he covers his own full back. He's, I've never... He's the hardest working forward in my football. I don't... And I'll, I will fall on that sword. I will die in that mountain. I will you, whatever you want. I will do because I think he is, and I think he's a great finisher. Though he's a, he's a dead nice lad. He's a, he's a street footballer. He's not. I wouldn't say he's technically gifted, but he will run and run and run, and he will. His pace is frightening. And yeah, I, I love the kid. Honestly, I love the kid. That's fair enough. He's improved so, you know, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a footballer, maturity, maturity wise. When he came back, it was like streets. I mean, it's like level one when he left, level five he turned up. He's gone away. He's got that experience at that higher level and then come back yeah. and and brought that with him and, and learned from it. You yeah, can yeah. see he's learned that from it. That experience as well, yeah. And I think he appreciated what I was trying to do. And he's gone, because he went to, went to Mary's and he's gone, oh, anyone that wants to be a good club has to train hard, has to do this, has to do that. And I think that part was part of it as well. Yeah, he just saw, oh, thing. But yeah, I've got nothing but love for the kid. So, who's the final player that makes your squad? David Tomley. How much has he paid you? <laughs> he didn't, honestly. I, I I used to coach that kid, right, when he was... Well, thing, we used to go and play, he used to knock around at the club because he used to live down there, Ballinowen. And he was quite possibly the worst footballer I'd ever seen in my life uh, to, uh, he was awful uh, horrendous then for some reason he had a growth spurt over summer turns up turns into Thierry Henry because I don't even remember the, him and Quino up top for Mills and he was just absolutely ripping the league apart and he got so he was he was unbelievable he was because he used to play 4-4-2 but he always used to he did a bit like on media he used to drift out to the left and he excited I like exciting footballers and I coached him. Obviously, he's a good friend of mine and he has, bought, he has offered to buy me a few pints, but he hasn't really. Um, but he, he was he was a great footballer to watch. He was exciting. He, whereas Quiner, Quiner was very, very pragmatic. He was very... He went about his job, yeah. yeah. He went about his job yeah, in a certain way. Not, not, he had skill, he had skill, but everything was like, as in, you no, know, it was like, it was very efficient, everything he did. It was like, no Burkamp in a way, where it was like, it wasn't. He wouldn't run past fifteen players, but every every touch was perfect. Every pass was perfect. Every lay was perfect. Every movement was perfect. It was all dead clean. Whereas Tom was more like booty in a way, a street footballer, just like all chaos. The get involved, but but, and... but, but, not, but not like Darwin Nunes chaos where you don't score. They actually score goals. They, they were like <laughs> he was just complete. Yeah, but he was like a street footballer. Like he loved it. And then, like if people wiped him out and stuff, he meant them again, and he'd go at them. He, he had no fear. Honestly, no fear. He's too fair. He was like going at me. Oh, you better sit. You better be before going. You better sit with the team. He was already in the team, but I was never going to tell him that, was I? Before. No. But yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, but it, well, it, well, it's pretty big anyway. He's like uh, mega mind, but that bald head of his these days, and the, not cutting his hair on the sides. But yeah, he's yeah, but yeah, that 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 team. So I started getting all technical, like, oh, mind you, myself when I was there, I was like, oh, seven aside, that's quite a small pitch. It's got to be technical footballers. We can't use pace. I started overthinking it. Oh, um, it after I'd and that, that's, that's why I chose seven. I didn't choose 11 because 
seven's a harder number to pick and you've got to narrow your team down then. Um, so, yeah. who, so finally, who's going to manage it for you? Oh, God, I, this was the only bit that actually got me. I'm going to pick someone, but I'm going to... Can I give two honourable mentions as well? Yeah. Yeah, right. So, one, first one was Graham Cooley Cubes. He was in charge of the under-16s when I got into football, you know, when I said it helped me and it all that. Yeah, yeah. He was unbelievable for me. Made me captain. He was just like, you do, oh, you know, play. And uh, uh, he just, he just, I, I, don't, I don't, I've spoke to him a few times and I've seen him out, but honestly, what he did for me, uh, it was ridiculous. Like, he, 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 I was just, uh, everything was just so horrible. And he just gave me those 90 minutes every week and I, on a Saturday morning for training for an hour and a half, whereas I had that freedom and I was free and I could just, you know, him. Second one, I honourable mention, Sonic. That, uh, you know, is my management. He was ridiculous. He just go, and he, he got the best. He, he got the best when I was younger at me, like attacking wise. He go, you're left midfielder, Foxy. You just do what you want. He just let me go. He just let me express himself. No one had run me bollocks off. No one, I, I do the hard work. I, I graft. I do that. But he just let me express myself. Just let me go off and enjoy myself. I was scoring goals here and there and everywhere, and I loved it. Loved it. But the one man that I am going to put down is Jody Scarf. As I said, you know, I was out of football and he phoned me up and I, I played. I, as much as I enjoyed and I scored loads of goals when I was younger and whatnot, he brought me back into football, got me enjoying it again. And I loved loved it under him. We still argued, me and him would be like, bah, I started a bitch. But it was just I, I a new role and yeah. the amount of stuff. He, he, and on top of that, he was going to be in the team because I've never seen a man that small win so many headers in all my life. I, I, I think he was so criminally underrated, but I've never seen. He's the same like as me, just about, and he's just like head at boff, head at boff, head at boff. We won a combi one year, and it was me and him at the back. Us two. And he was just like, just head. And I've never seen anything like it, but he just he just uh, brought me back into football. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for that and stuff. He's still a pain in the ass. He's still grumpy, but and he hates Christmas. But oh, that is what it is. You, can, you can't get everything out of everyone, can you, Steve? No, can't get everything out of everyone. Right, mate. Well, we were going to recap the season, but we've gone on here, and it's been a fucking fantastic insight. To be perfectly honest, mate, it's been a great chat with you. Um, so, just really thank you for your time, mate. Um, thank you. For oh, no, I appreciate insight. it. And stuff. Um, Apologies for Babylon. No, Steve, it's, it's what we're here for, mate, and it's, it's been great, and I hope people really do appreciate what football's done for you after listening to this and, and how it's changed your life. I, I really do hope that people get that message for you. So all that's left for me to say is, is thank you for your time. Have a great Christmas, mate. Um, I'm sure I'll catch you up too. with you at some point. I'll, I'm sure I'll yeah. see you over the festive period. Um, I'll message and, you after the match on Saturday. Well, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to hear from you. Um, if, if, if it's anything else but yeah alright Steve thanks for your time mate right, thank you very much mate I appreciate Cheers, it mate. have a good Bye Christmas now. hope you feel Bye. better soon bye